Stacky, hello, how are you? What's good? Stacky's probably yeah himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How are you? Good. How you doing, man? Ah, uh, you, you know what? It feels like a Monday, man. No, don't say that. It just it's, feels... well, you know, it's like it's like Web three Monday. Friday is like the Web three Monday because now everybody's leaving their regular jobs to start their uh, <laughs> their their Web three hustle. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess every day is just a day. Um, yeah, yeah, dude, in, in Web three, right? Because it's like, shit, feels like every day blends into each other, and, and there's so much going on, and there's never a dull moment in Web three. That's for sure. <laughs> the sun does not set in the metaverse, man. No joke, for real on that. Um, we'll we'll let everybody kind of file in. Um, yeah, of course. Been a lot going on this week. Definitely a lot to talk about. No shortage of. Uh, topics to discuss so uh we'll probably just kind of let it fill in here for a minute and i'm sure stack has got some stuff going on in the background but she'll be with us in a minute yeah you know i gotta uh send the room out to everybody so that's what i'm doing right now. yeah i got you <laughs> but uh i brought lofo in here because lofo knows a lot about ccos believe it or not and that's my I'll guy tell you what. i'll tell you what <laughs> So Lofo was actually a part of a project that was a CCO project. Mm -hmm. So I want to his yeah, it's called Hobo Town. Okay. Me and, him, me and him used to go around Twitter spaces and, with his terrible accent. Well, his was perfect. I love Stacky. <laughs> You're pretty potent too. Oh, it was it was fun. It was during the Goblin time, uh, the Goblin Town times, and it was Hobo Town, and it was pretty fun. If you ask me, the Hobo Town spaces was was more fun than a. The Goblin Town spaces. You know, but, it's like a fever dream. Sometimes I think about it and I was like, what was I doing with my life? <laughs> when I say he did not break character at all through the whole time. I mean, day and night. Every Twitter spaces that he went into. And it was absolutely nuts. I promise it, you, it, he was the only reason that that project sold out. I it, it, it didn't even, even if it was a serious conversation, that's how dedicated I was. It, it was just... It was a fun time, I'll tell you. I, I like the way you said that during Goblin Town time. Like that was like that long ago. It was long ago. You know, <laughs> Dude, that, tells you, that just tells you the the concept of time here in uh, Web three. There's very small concept of time. I'm like if you say you were here for a year, you were here for, really here for twenty years. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering why the blue the blue share button isn't on here no more. Because I have a special page, you know. Oh, okay. I'm a I'm a Twitter employee. It's like <laughs> no, no. The bottom right hand corner of the page is now on the bubble, which you can retweet the space that way. <laughs> but while I'm going ahead and do that, what's up? Steve? Yo, yo, Stacky, it's been a minute. How's it going? Hey, listen, I was going to go into your space earlier and see what you guys were talking about. It seems like you got all the juice on this CCO situation. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> messy. It was a it, so normally we run uh, that morning space for about two hours. And this morning we went four just because we had so many speakers and people who want to come up and give their opinion and we want everyone to be heard. So um, it was it was a hot temperature community and I don't think it got 
any better for a lot of the people I was talking to following that town hall they just had. So it's 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 a rough one. It's it's tough to see, but you know, it's uh I don't know. We'll see how it works out, but it was definitely a highly discussed and debated topic today. It was it was interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, and we got we got Justin up here too. Matt came up, and, and I know that they'll they'll have some great insight on on this. But Lofa, I'm glad that you've got some experience in the community that um, that had it. I know MFers, I think too, with CCO, and um, it should be yeah. interesting. And I, you know what? I think it's I will save it for the thing, but I think it's a real good time for this conversation to start popping up, just because whether there's there's good and bad and everything right so i'll probably focus more on the good stuff and then have somebody else you know tear me down after but (laughs) well i don't here's the thing though i i don't i don't think people necessarily have an issue with cco if done correctly right like i don't i i'm sure there's a lot of positives to it and i and as a moonboat bird holder i'm going to tell you that i don't really have an issue with CCO as a concept, right? It's not my favorite thing. I wouldn't choose it for necessarily something that I would do. But I think that as a concept, it's not bad. I don't think anybody's going to sit up here and and say, hands down, no matter what, no time or place. The problem is, is communication is everything, and, and, and especially in Web3, right? Um, and the way that this particular thing was handled, I think from a precedent standpoint, from a, any business, take away Web3, any business that moves the goalposts on their, within their own community, within their own business model, um, if they did this to investors, like let's, let's take the Web3 part of this out of it. If I, midway through a business model, changed the dynamic of how we were going to make money um, and then told my my investors later, and I know that I know that NFT holders are not investors. I'm saying as a principle, that would never fly, right? Sure. You you would lose your investors. So CCO for me is fine. I just think the way that this was handled, for me personally, not not the way that I would ever want to handle a business. Are we are we okay to get going, Stacky? Or? Oh, we could, we got going already. So, okay, yeah, okay. Cool. I was going to so, say, I think I just kind of kicked that off. Sorry about that. I just got, yeah, no, I got and, emotional and, for a second. Yeah, no, and I, I think you made some valid points. And I think, like, of course, I mean, I think this conversation is more about, uh, like, CCO in general, at least in, in, from my standpoint, and kind of, like, where my views are on it and, and what could happen. I totally agree with you, um, just kind of on the sentiment of it was handled just so bad. And I think it's even worse because of the caliber of team that they are um it was just, it's just so out of pocket for them to do it that way right so yeah but in general like cco in my i guess in my opinion um is just like the perfect thing for nfts in general right and i and let me tell you why because you made a good point where nft investors i mean nft buyers are not investors right like and i think that this is the conversation we need to start having with people so that they understand the full scope of what they're getting into when, when you do buy these NFTs, right? Because I was just actually in another Twitter space with um, another founder and they're like, listen, man, like people buy one of our NFTs and they think they just have like this huge voice and this huge everything to kind of come and change things because they're upset about stuff. But at the end of the day, you need to have some type of leadership, right? And people that are calling the shots. And I think that in the very beginning of NFTs, we kind of sold this dream of where, you know, we're team community, team building and things like that. 
And in essence, it sounds like a great idea, but it's not realistic, right? Um, because you can't, you can't like monitor who is quote unquote investing in your project. You don't really know um, their criteria and what they can do. So with that being said, the reason why I like CCO so much is it gives people the opportunity to come into projects and have an impact um, in their own way, right? When I, for example, when we were doing Hobo Town, it was a CCO, meaning every, and just for those who don't know, CCO essentially means every piece of art, every asset, every part of the lore, etc. you have access to and, and can create some type of monetary value or, you know, some type of product or whatever. And no one can tell you anything as long as you own at least one share of that company, which is a super powerful thing if it's explained correctly. When, when I see these projects that are CCO projects, I don't see them necessarily as projects. I see them as platforms, right? Platforms that give you the opportunity to use an already built story, um, something that the founders can go and, and build something with foundation and you build on top of it. Like a great example of that would be consider it something like a, a new social platform, right? Um, so like Vine, Vine would be something like a CCO. They give you the platform. They give you the opportunity to create on top of it. And it's up to you to go in there, use your imagination and, and try to, you know, monetize off of it or whatever you're trying to do. And I think it's a super powerful thing if we were to lead people in the right direction with that and let them know like, hey, now you guys got this huge platform. If you buy Moonbird, for example, now you got an already have a built in audience. Now you have the opportunity to actually make money, not just by flipping it, but by actually creating content, which is just amazing to me in my mind. So or real quick, I'm, I'm struggling with your explanation of, of CC0 because I don't think that that is how it applies, as my understanding is, to NFTs and the artwork behind them. Because um, what you said is is actually, as I understand it, and like, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the kind of the opposite of CC0. Because by saying that you get a token and by owning that token, you can build on top of it, that's what commercial IP rights give you versus... What CC0 says is that my Moonbird that I own, someone else could go put on a shirt and make, they could create a brand around it and make millions of dollars and not pay me a dime um, because it, it separates effectively the art from the token. So what that means is that like my token is still valid, which means if there's a, you know, a fungible token drop, if there's a claim for another NFT, if there's access to conferences and IRL events, I will always get that with my Moonbird. It separates the token there. But the art now becomes something I am unable to use and monetize yeah. off, and, and that's I think that's where people draw the the issue or the or the piece. Like you know, Lacos, a friend of ours, is one of the people who he, he had a tweak really big today because he was close to a six figure deal that he got rescinded because now they can use any Moonbird or his for free. Oh yeah, I think it was terrible that they switched it in the middle. But from my understanding, is let's just say they would have done it from the beginning. The way I would look at it is you weren't necessarily buying the art in general. You're buying the ability to use that stuff, right? Um, and so, for example, yes, you do have a picture attached to it, but you're actually getting the rights to be able to monetize off of it and things like that. And I think we're so new in the space anyways within Web3 where we can say it's this, that, and the other, but how much regulation can actually be put into it. So I'm just talking about it in like a general sense, not necessarily the Moonbirds in specific but i do think it's pretty powerful that like you can use you know you're not like um there's not many boundaries on what type of you know content you can create based on what you know nft you own so now you have like a huge variety that you can use whether it be like you create an animation 
um, you know, or you create a, a clothing line or things like that. I think that's there's opportunity there. But like I said, it is so new. And I can see where you're coming from, where people are like, hey, I was just closing in on a huge deal. And now I'm fucked. But, you know, they did wrong execution. But I don't think it should be seen as a negative thing from the, if you start it from the beginning. Hey, can I just expand the, the, the CCO concept? Because I think there's still some confusion between your dialogue here. Um, I think it would be just helpful. Is that okay? Just uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah. So, so by the way, CCO is not. It's not new. Um, it's it's actually been 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 with us for some time. And and the origins of it are are interesting because it's actually not the intention behind it wasn't necessarily um, the way that you know the collectible brands now are intending to use it, which is fine. That's no no knock against it, but. Uh, basically, what CCO does is it, it it puts the IP into the public domain right away um, before it would otherwise go into the public domain, which is set by, you know, statutory law. So um, what effectively it does is like artwork, let's say that's already in the public domain, let's, like the Mona Lisa, you know, Shakespeare uh, uh, writings, those are already in the public domain. So that's why you can go on to like Amazon or any site for that matter and buy Shakespeare books for like pennies right or dollars like or or mona lisa prints right because basically the cost of producing that is basically just the production cost right because anyone and everyone can can do that what uh, cco does is it puts the ip and it has to be done by the owner or the author into that public domain setting before it would otherwise get there so what you know steve was mentioning like that's dis distinctive from brands like Board Ape, Artifact, uh, um, and others who the NFT, basically what you're buying is um, not only the token to the community, but a license, right? It gives you you as a as an NFT owner that points to a visual image, let's say like Steve's um, Board Ape there, it gives him that license to commercialize and no one else except BAYC. By the way, that's why it's not exclusive. So that's also a key thing. I don't think actually, like everyone's like, oh, these are not exclusive. I actually think they shouldn't be exclusive in some scenarios, but it's still very powerful. So anyways, I just wanted to outline that, um, you know, for the conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I understand the power in that, too, because you see it like with Board Ape now, right? Like with the old Navy drop and things like that. And I'm sure whoever's doing that is making some decent money. But like I said, I think it's just two different things, right? Like CCL does give the opportunity to create like these worlds and these platforms where you can, you know, create universes based on your own imagination and, and your own network, and you don't really have too many boundaries on it. So, like I said, when executed and explained correctly, I think it's a good thing for, like, creatives. Yeah, well, real quick, just, like, one, one piece on that. I guess, like, the example, what I wasn't sufficiently, because I went to the, I'm a big fan of Cairo and, and Justin and what they're building, and I, I own a, a Moonbird, and I own two oddities, and I've been a fan of Kevin for a while. So, like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and all that. Um, but I, I left today's call that they just did like very unsatisfied because I was waiting for like a bigger explanation as to what their their thinking was. And I guess what I struggle with is, you know, the examples they used kind of either were examples you could use with IP rights more effectively. Like they use an example of opening a bar. It's like, well, I mean, again, like the board and hungry is a great example. The burger joint, like they didn't need, you know, CCO to, to do that. The other thing I struggle with is the other example they use where they're saying like, oh, someone's creating a Moonbird comic. And I'm like, I don't know that I should celebrate if somebody uses my bird in a comic. It's like, the, it's like basically if Jenkins the Valet existed but didn't pay you, right? It's like basically saying like, I licensed my IP through my ape to board apes to Jenkins. Neil Strauss, 10 times New York Times bestseller, is writing a book. I get to split a piece of that revenue for every license I do. 
now the person with the comic can create a whole universe. I think you're absolutely right. Now, I'm not by any means trying to be confrontational because I want I want to change my mind here because I really like I, I love the Moonbird you know ecosystem. And at the end of the day, like it's still going to be awesome and do great things. But I I struggle a little bit with like them saying like, well, we should celebrate that this comic's being written and could use your birds without your permission because that's good for your birds. And like I, personally, I I like that the way that they initially designed it, by the way, it's still on the website in the FAQs that you have IP rights. They haven't updated that. So it was very hasty um, in how they did it. Um, I, I guess I struggle that I'm like, I would like to make that decision based on the token I, I bought or I traded for, but like same effectively traded some high value assets to get. Um, so that's where I maybe struggle a little bit with how they are approaching it because I mean, obviously the mid switch, I think we all agree that was not great. The communication, not great, et cetera. But the general decision, I think it's right for certain things. Like, I get it for, like, Mona Lisa, Shakespeare, et cetera. But, like, 10,000 tokens um, in the way that they did it feels odd. And, and just doesn't, like, I, I'm waiting for the logic for them to say, like, this is how we're doing it and why we're doing it that sort of adds up. But all I can hear is, like, value for the collection and the, you know, they don't have to litigate people except for who used the Moonbird's name, which is great for them but doesn't really add value to me. Like, I, I don't see how it had the community in mind and still haven't kind of seen that. So I guess that's sort of the thing I'm still struggling with related to how they're approaching yeah, Steve, it. By the way, the, public, the Mona Lisa example that I brought up was just, that would be natural into public domain, which by the way is a quite different, um, the purpose for that going into the public domain is, again, going back to the origins of CCO, different than the purposes for the origins of CCO, if you look at the origins of CCO from Creative Commons, it's actually IP that's, first of all, donated to the community, to the crowd. It's not like a, a financial situation. And it's also IP that were more building blocks. And then the authors or the creators or owners were like, listen, more could be more value could be created by donating this to the public, meaning um, scientific research, academic research, code, like, you know, all of that stuff where it could build to be greater things. The motivation behind just general public domain, is, like Mona Lisa Shakespeare, is that, you know, countries that have copyright law deem it so valuable, uh, arts and sciences, to, to the progress of society that eventually everyone should have access to the art and science. The thing about NFTs is we kind of already do have all global access to the actual intrinsic artwork that's being minted but there's a new economy which is a kind of cool twist on ip but yeah that's yeah it's the different motivation and and i agree i think there are uses for it it was it's an art but it was a very um listen i just want to say this now because i there was discussion about there's no one size fits all for me in nft and also it's also important that nfts are not an end they're a means to an end they're literally a token right a representation of something else same thing with cco it's it's not an end in itself it should be a means to an end there should be a deliberate purpose why a project would want to be cco so i thought yesterday i was thinking like is there a good example for a brand like a collectible brand to have one and i'm like actually there would be one right so i came up with this example so pharrell is now the chief brand officer for doodles right and i was like what if pharrell like decided to you know um uh, build off of his, you know, happy song that like got global like recognition and like and community like participation. And he's like, I want to do like a new uh, like with doodles, obviously, like a happy doodle collection that's like for free or like five, ten dollars and just encouraging everyone to like create their happy, positive, uplifting derivatives to spread happiness around the world. That would be an amazing CCO campaign, but it has it's a means to an end. This I don't 
I don't know why. I still don't know the why here. That's my biggest question. I think that's what we all struggle with too. Um, is the why? But let's let's do this. I'm Justin, by the way, first off, there's a reason why I was so happy when I saw you pop in and pop up. Is you're you're always incredibly insightful, um, and you always articulate things in a way that um, make them make sense to an individual that might have a lack of clarity around something. So um, I want to get back to you on some things. But let's go to Web three, Adam. Then we'll go to. Um, um, you make making FOMO and, and, and we'll work our way around. But uh, Web3, what's going on? How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. And I hope everyone's having a, a good end to their week. Um, so I, I was in that space. Uh, things didn't sit right with me just listening to the way that they explained it. And I don't know if it was the lack of emotion, being not caring, or more just them really wanting to guard their words and tread lightly before giving some sort of initial response. But... Uh, a lot of the things that they were saying was this is going to bring value to the brand. And um, if um, they brought the, a movie, like if a movie was made, then that would be great for the brand and it would help everyone's floor price go up and things like that. It's not an individualistic thing. Um, however, I wouldn't I, Web3 and they said like this is going to become a, a this is a Web3 push. We're trying to make this more Web3. It feels Web3. But Web3 is all about community. And they're building a community and they gave their community rights that, yeah, everyone says if they didn't do it from the beginning, sure, they didn't do it from the beginning. Maybe it wouldn't have gone up to 30 ETH. Maybe people wouldn't have made it their uh, personalities and their profiles and built liquor businesses and, and, and other different things off of it. It just it, it makes no sense to me. The only thing that makes sense to me is that massive movie companies, book companies, clothing companies were coming up to them and saying, we want to do a whole bunch of things with you, but it's just too hard to get licenses from every single person. And I would much rather just come to you and, and get the license from you, license the trademark from you and be able to use all of the art. And I understand that's a very nefarious thought. And I really hope that that's not the case. But in my head, that's the only thing that makes sense. And how they're trying to pass this off as we did it for the community, as opposed to this really only helps proof the entity. That's where I struggle with it. Yeah, I think I think similar to what you're saying, it's like, and I hate to say this, because again, I'm a big fan of Kevin and Justin, I want to tee that up and be honest about that. And I just... I think you're exactly right to say, like, you know, in this space, and he jumped on last night with Farouk, it's like, as he was talking, it's just my bullshit meter's going off. And I hate to say that, because I really like Kevin Rose and what he says and how he does things. But, like, to say this is very Web3, I, I think you nailed it, Adam. Like, the Web3 thing to do would have been to talk with the community and have collective discourse and discussion before you make an irrevocable decision not make an irrevocable decision for your community, which he acknowledged. He's like, this was really hard, really debated it. And one of the things that somebody said this morning on, on the show that we do in the morning, like was, I promise you, he probably had these, he had these conversations with his investors and other people who have invested in his company behind the scenes, probably ad nauseum before making this decision, but not the holders in the community, which I think speaks volumes about, um, you know, it, it, like it's the opposite of what, Gordon and, and Garga from Board Apes in their interview were saying where I, I love the quote where they say, you know, we sort of build the sandbox and then the community builds the sandcastles and we give them the ability to spread our brand all over the world in different places. And that's helped us. And we believe in that. Um, and this is sort of the antithesis of this, where it's like you don't even involve the community in the decision or even if you weren't always going to make the decision to not even prime them for it. Um, 
so anyway, it was really interesting. I, I think it's a really good point, Adam. Um, who's, who's next on hand, James? Sorry, uh, I know you, you had order. You, you, you're making me FOMO, and then we're going to go uh, Noct, and, and then uh, Yeti Secret Society. Hey, guys, thank you for bringing me up. I'm sorry I missed our appointment. I feel horrible about it. I didn't get to sleep till 7 a.m., but... No, no worries. No worries at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to Justin. He schooled me uh, a couple of weeks ago, well, a week and a half, about IP rights. Very knowledgeable. Um, I, I've looked back into IP rights. I did misspoke. I did misspeak. Um, the 3070 clause, which I was referring to, is definitely not a real thing. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out. A little harsh, made me look like an idiot, but hey, it was worth it because um, I like getting I out. I didn't mean seriously. to be harsh. It's tough No, luck. no, it's fine. No, tough it's luck. fine. Seriously. Um, I respected that because you knew what you were talking about and you stuck your guns. And it made me go out and do more research, which I love learning new things. Um, about this whole IP rights thing. So even with us, and I know with other projects as well, there's things that... From a company standpoint, you can't talk to uh, the normal investors of the project about just for you know certain legal reasons. Some might be just strategic reasons, but there's a reason why they did things this way. Yes, the lack of communication sucks. It does. I'm not a Moonbird holder, but I know that there's things that I've done in this project that holders didn't understand till afterwards. So it, it's kind of the same thing here. He's a very strategic person. He's a businessman. He's not got to this standing in life by just winning things. So you have to think there was a plan. Now, that being said, I think that this is good for everyone as a whole, not just the project, but the individual holders. Because right now, you're one of 10,000. Any Moonbird holder has one of 10,000 PFPs, right? Those are going to be copied. I mean, last night there was Moonbirds 2, 3, 4, all the way up to 7, I think, that I saw pop up on OpenSea. So now it's going to be even more rare because now you're not one of 10,000. You're one of, you know, however many that are actually made. But all these copycats, none of them will have the network, the access to the people in the network that original Moonbird holders have. They will never have that. You know, Kevin and Justin can pay to make any utility they want. And they're building an amazing company. Like, I'm striving to do even some of the things that they're doing. Because we don't have the money they have. But, like, you have to think, there was a plan. And no matter if the community didn't know what that plan was or not, this is still a good thing. Like I said, with more people out there advertising for the Moonbirds. Uh, and no, we're not changing our name back by the way, just to clear that out of the way. Um, but with more people advertising for Moonbirds, that's going to bring more light back to the project. In turn, that should make the entire floor price go up. Like I said, it, at the end of the day, it's there was a strategy, and this is a good thing. I mean, maybe not the way it played out, but it's a good thing because it will bring the floor price up, bring more eyes to the project. And like I said, none of those people will have the connections that the Moonbird holders have. They're not in the Proof Collective. They're not in the Discord with the Moonbird holders. That's a huge thing. So you're going to have people striving to get to that point, which you will make to, your floor you might want to mention what, what, where you're from and what your, your collection is, because it might have indirectly influenced this decision. Um, so we did start as an homage uh, to the 
to the Moonbirds. We're the AI Nightbirds. Um, most of the people in here already knew who I was, but like, uh, we're not we're not trying to go back. We're not. We were asked to change our name from AI Moonbirds in the very beginning. Uh, Kevin was really nice about it, and we did. Like, we wanted to comply because you know we got copyright laws. I wasn't clear about IP right laws, Justin, but I got the copyright laws. Um, so we, you know, we complied. We changed our name to AI Nightbirds. And no, we're not going back, even though now that is open, because we're not trying to play off the coattails of everyone, of the Moonbirds. We want to do our own thing. We want to build our own project. We want to build our own community. And that's the plan. So no, we're not going back. Um, but yeah, that is how we started. I, I here, here's my let's play this out for a minute, and I don't disagree with with really things that you've said. Like I'm fundamentally, I get that, and there there are let's say there are massive amounts of positives that do come out of this. And I'm actually one of the individuals this morning that I was like, there's got to be a plan. Like you don't just wake up one day and say we're going to do this, and 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 there's no plan. We don't we don't think that the type of founders that that um, Moonbirds has in place would be that. However, here's my issue with it. Let's say in a massive amount of positives come out of this. It sets precedence for other projects to move the goalpost. And, and we're not always going to be as lucky to have Justin and, and Kevin in, in this, this place. So if people look at this and this ends up being a great thing and other people do it and it ends up being a disaster because... In my, in my eyes, I, I see the positives, but I also see disaster brewing. Like take Clubhouse Archives, for instance. We could easily turn around tomorrow and now make a, a pearl line of all of the Moonbirds. Like literally, we could do that and I don't have to ask anyone's permission. Now, do I have the resources to be as successful as a Gap or an Old Navy at doing that? No. So imagine if they did. And that's kind of the disaster that brews. Like. If you have great leaders in place, maybe they do have a movie deal. Maybe that's why they said that, right? Which I would totally get. But if they don't, <laughs> um, and something like I said just happens, like with Lacos's bird, like imagine if that ends up on a bunch of t-shirts. He has no recourse. So whereas I see the positives, I also see a recipe for disaster when the goalposts are moved this late in the game. If it was done from the beginning, Totally different scenario in, in my mind, but let's let's continue running around. Uh, Noct, I think you were up next, and then we'll go to Yeti Secret Society. Hey guys, I'm Noct. How's it going? <laughs> uh, Steve, Ghost Spinner Hat Gang, what's up, man? Um, look, I'm I, I'm in a weird transitionary point in my life where I've become an IP enthusiast which is just kind of like weird to even say uh, IP enthusiast. It's, it's bizarre. But the, 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 the reality is I'm not an expert, but, but I, I work in IP. It, it's something I spend a great deal of time, uh, I guess, studying. And, and I've got, uh, you know, I've got, an, I've got a friend that's an, he's an IP attorney and he, you know, he, he's very liberal and gracious with his time to explain some of this stuff. But I, I wanted, I, I think one thing that I've heard since I've been in here is the notion that you, uh, with a project that's CC0, that if you have, um, that you can use the IP as long as you own a share of it. That, that, 
That's the first time I've heard that. Uh, is that necessarily true that you have to be at least a, 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 a no? A, not, to my understanding, no. It is public domain as long as you could use. If my ape was CC zero, you could use my ape for anything you want. Uh, okay. That that so that was I just I just wanted to make sure I cleared that up because I don't I don't I just want a clarification on that because I did, had been the first time that I heard that. But the um the the other thing that I wanted to to bring up or really a couple of things uh one if if i uh woke up one morning and uh i saw an announcement on the gutter discord that uh that gutter cats are now you know cc zero and and now in public domain i i would feel absolutely robbed i i would feel just i'd feel like i would feel like someone had just stolen something from me it, it would feel like what just happened to me should be illegal. And um, I, I'm sure that that somewhere in the legal documentation uh, for Moonbirds, there is maybe there's some clause or caveat that allows them to, to change the IP status. Uh, but it, it, it seems to me that, that once you grant commercial use license, that, you know, that that should be, you know, maintained as exclusive and you shouldn't be able to sort of double back on that. Now I'm an, I'm an MFers holder. Uh, I'm a cryptodes holder. I, I, I feel like both of those projects, they, they represent the very essence of, of vibe, I, I guess, in the space. Uh, it, they, they are, um, I think really remarkable projects from a social standpoint. Uh, however, I, I have never once heard anyone give me a value thesis for CC zero uh, that is that is better or, or greater or I believe holds a greater potential uh, than than the the granting of commercial use license that is exclusive to the to the owner of the NFT and and I was hoping at some point I'm going to hang around for a little while if somebody could offer me a value thesis for CC zero that that is greater than than the commercial license that that is granted uh, from the IP of of, of an NFT project. I think Justin threw his hand up because he probably has an answer to that. I'm, I'm guessing. Yep. Was that was that Justin? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I tried, yeah. So I tried to come up with the best argument for it for like um, outside of the you know the you know doodles uh, Pharrell like like to to spread happiness example from like a more commercial like financial. By the way, this is the best argument I came up with. I don't think it holds much weight because I haven't seen it implemented yet. But so it's like a three step process. One is um, by offering basically everyone around the world, whether collector or not, to commercialize the visual assets um, that will encourage not only the commercial activities, but with commercialization promotion. So then that promotion uh, leads to greater brand value, um, brand awareness that goes back to, you know, Moonbird's official. And then that greater brand equity or brand awareness in the marketplace uh, would then, um, uh, and this is just the, the argument on that side, would then increase uh, the value of the quote official NFTs that are connected to the quote official um, PFPs. That is the best argument I can come up with, but it leans on a lot of assumptions that I don't, I don't, I don't know will will actually unfold. And one of the biggest ones now that I'm thinking about it is the assumption that the more um, uh, you know products and services that are printed with the images increases the 
value of the official NFT, you could think you could make a really great argument that, that it would have the opposite effect. Whereas like a more aspirational, um, you know, uh, exclusive, limited use, uh, you know, uh, uh, IP would be, um, you know, more valuable. You know, there are plenty of things that are printed everywhere that often are are the the least expensive. So with a, you know, a project with a, you know, 1720th floor, that's where I'm like struggling to see how how that would even lead to greater value. But that argument, as far as greater brand awareness, brand awareness goes back to the original, the original NFTs increase in value because of the provenance attached to them. And, and on an individualized basis, just to build on that, just to give like one more silly example that I gave that I gave this morning and, and build on because that's a great, great, uh, I think, great way of putting it. I think to build on it would be, let's say that there was some like blockbuster movie that came out that was huge. That was like, the biggest movie this summer and it was about Moonbirds and my kids loved it and whatever. And they happened to pick my Moonbird as the lead character. Well, that would theoretically increase the value of my Moonbird. Now, obviously, I'd sign that over, but, you know, with no choice and they choose it like that's the theory behind it, as well as there was this, um, I had this idea when I first got my board eight, this is like probably last June, where I was like, I wonder if the Guinness Book of World Records would accept me submitting uh, the opportunity to have the most used profile picture in all of Twitter and was going to encourage people to right click, save and use and try to get a count on it. And the idea behind that, it's almost similar to CC0, where it's like, that would then increase the awareness and the inherent value of my ape. And so that's the idea, I think, behind it at times. But, you know, something else that kind of struck a chord with me when the Kevin, someone, Kevin or someone on the team was talking today on the call and said something to the effect, I was trying to find the quote and I couldn't in time before this space, which was 99% of people who are using the IP won't end up using it to the value, so it won't matter, something to that effect. And I was like, whoa, so your premise is that you're not going to be able to use the IP correctly as a community, so we're taking it away. But it doesn't tell me that it wasn't valuable to some people. It's telling me that they're, we haven't seen great compelling use cases. Um, I, I mean, I'm personally in a boat where I'd rather, like what Doodles does, where they say we have the IP that's up to a certain number or something. Um, but I'd rather them do that and then say, we, we think we can control it, but we'll make exceptions. But we want to control the brand and, and help that. Then say we're letting anybody have it. Like those are two sort of opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, two very quick things, though, to answer the legal question. Um, we had we had a couple lawyers on this morning with us on on coffee with Captain on the morning show, and one of them was saying something to the effect of like, look, they were explaining it down, and they were saying, look, look, not legal advice, but it's within the realm of possibility for a consumer to potentially not that they would necessarily win, but there is an argument to be had that someone could sue based on reasonable expectations because there is a clause that says that they can make this change within like their terms and conditions. They even have like, I believe two weeks to update the website. Um, Cause the website still says you have full commercial rights. But to my understanding, like what they were saying was that there is a reasonable expectation, like some sort of uh, legal piece about that where somebody could theoretically file because they were frustrated that, you know, they bought maybe a six or se five or six figure asset with the expectation of using commercial rights. And now those were gone. Um, so I think that that's good. And then one more, one more last thing before we go back to hands, I do want to ask, um, like you making me FOMO. Cause like, I, I thought you brought up an interesting point and I do agree. You still have the network and all that, but I guess my struggle is you had that before. Um, you know, and, and the analogy, this is a terrible analogy, but you know, cause you're essentially owning a rookie card of a baseball player, right? And it's almost you went from owning the commercial rights that that baseball player could have on everything they monetize, which is a terrible thing to say out loud. So let's just imagine I am that baseball player. 
But you're effectively moving from owning the commercial rights of anything that baseball player would do to only owning their rookie card. Like, that's what we have moved to. So, like, it just seems like it has moved away versus being additive in that way, which is why I keep struggling to find the answer. Because I agree, like, if this does get used in all sorts of great ways and, and K. Rowan and team have something cooking and in 25 days they have that proof of, you know, a future proof and they all talk through, like, this big movie deal and this big book deal and we're going to use all of our Moonbirds and everything's going to be used across the board, like, certainly could raise the floor price, not, you know, out of the scope of possibility. But it, it just seems entirely more likely to me that if you give an owner the opportunity to commercialize, which you already were doing, then at the very least, you should probably have a dialogue with the community before kind of taking that foundation, something so foundational to the project away. Um, so so I, I just, I would push back on the network thing only because, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you because I think your, your point is right. And you obviously, you have, in you know, intimate experience with this, you know, with what you did um, and what you went through and your awesome, freaking awesome art that you put out. Awesome. I was actually looking at shopping it last night because I was considering getting one that matches this sort of a close match. We but partnered yeah. with Rarible. Now would be the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love the alpha. But anyway, like that was what I would say is like, you already had access to the network. So it's just, if they execute on something, then I'll eat my words and say like, I get it. Cause I've been wrong before. And I'm happy to admit that like many, many times in the NFT space when I had an initial reaction, but um, I am struggling with this one. Um, so there's two ways to look at it. Um, so let me say this before I get into what I was actually going to say. Luck is merely a frame of reference. You were unlucky so that somebody else might be lucky, right? So um, it's just a, a different mindset. It's a different way of thinking about it. And I understand your way of thinking about it. I do. Uh, not personally because I'm not a holder in it, but the situation itself. Yes, they could have done communication differently. But when Walmart makes decisions at a business level, at a corporation level, they don't ask people going into the store to buy pizza if, you know, they can get their approval to go forward with business, the business decisions. Um, so it's going to bring more light to the Moonbirds, right? No matter what, it's going to bring more light. And if we're going by that but, same for, rookie one card. One thing, sorry to cut you off, like real quick on the Walmart example, though. But I do think if Walmart said we are no longer selling goods, we're now turning ourselves into a 24-hour fitness facility. Like, and I know that's a little bit of an extreme example, but like that would probably be met with some pushback. And I think that's the thing is that it's a foundational piece of the pro project where it's like, it's not as if like, you, I mean, and the other thing is like when decisions do get made, I mean, I've, I've worked at a lot of large brands. You do tend to include your largest customers who are your most loyal customers in at least early communications about it. Like, like you do. Um, so sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think like, it's something that's so fundamental and foundational to the project. And you have a community of people that are sort of helping you build the project who have already started using this. So I do think it's like a little bit apples to oranges. And I, I didn't, again, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm not trying to pick on you because I think you're, you're pointing sound. <laughs> so keep going. You're fine, man. Um, I, I don't take it as you picking on me. Um, Justin's the only one that picks on me. No, I'm joking. Um, so <laughs> it's, wait. I'm just kidding. It's, yeah, it's go ahead. Just, you make me want to FOMO. Uh, let, go ahead and let our girl talk. You know, we got some ladies in here. This is it's ladies night. So hang ladies me. first, by all means. It's ladies in here. So we're gonna so, go ahead and pull on so, out moving and then uh we're gonna go to the bros, back to the bros. I see you. Don't put your hand on Web3. Call you Adam. No, I'm sorry. I just I just gotta go. That's the only reason why I'm gonna give other people a chance. My bad. Love you guys. <laughs> you feel free to come back. Should we should we kick it to outer or, or uh, I know Yeti's been. 
Yeah, let let Yeti go. go first. I, I, no, that's all good. I just I only responded because 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 um because you making me FOMO said that like you know only whoever picks and I definitely have something to say about the the whole AI project. So and that's why I'm like just wait. It won't uh, they won't be the only ones picking on you in a minute when I get. Let's my go with it. Oh, let's go. <laughs> that's right. Peace, violence today. Let's go. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, this is Malik from the Yeti Secret Society. I love the topic you guys are discussing and is actually relevant to something that I've been part of. Uh, you know, I, I think in the near future, uh, the more and more we see legislations happen, the more and more we see uh, big companies uh, moving towards Web3 from Web2, uh, you're most likely going to expect uh, project owners consider commercial rights uh, to the holders at an early stage. In fact, uh, there is a project that already did this, and uh, I don't think anybody else uh, have done it before them. And the reason is exactly this. The founder is a Comic-Con founder, the person who came up with Comic-Con. He's also the uh, the Wizard Magazine founder. And, and that's the idea he came with. He came into Web3 and he created this uh, amazing, amazing project. And uh, he created uh, two, uh, 24 different families of heroes and villains, right? And you, as the, the, the hero owner or the villain's owner, of course, you can go and buy whichever NFT you want. Uh, you are the creative. You are the person who's responsible to bring more shining light to that character. So what they did is basically they gave the uh, the licensing right. Well, you know, you get you get royalties uh, technically, not the entire thing, but you get up to seven percent royalties of anything that could ever potentially be brought to your character. And all of these characters are based on on like Marvel style uh, characters, heroes, villains. And uh, and it's it's one of the first projects that I see of doing that. So uh, these guys, that's what they did. They created all these families, and uh, I'm I'm one of the, their early holders and investors. Uh, I'm I'm moving away from saying the 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 project's name because I don't want to sound like I'm shilling here. But uh, but these guys are doing this right now. So uh, and what's happening in their communities? Uh, basically. Uh, the owners of each one of these families and characters, they're writing stories on Twitter. And at the end of the year, they'll have a tournament. Now, this tournament is going to basically decide which character has the most creative story. And that character and that family are going to, uh, uh, to be published in a comic book. And there, there's actually a big talk about a movie deal with Marvel. Um, the guy himself, uh, the founder, he's very well connected. So somebody saw, brought in the topic about networking. That's very relevant. He has the network. He has all of these people around him. And now they're basically just trying to find out which is the character that people are going to most like. And that's the character that's going to end up getting the deal. And they're going to continuously do that for the different for other characters as well. So uh, I think I think soon enough, uh, a lot of projects will start considering this at an early stage, and will probably be part of their pitch uh, to investors from the big from the beginning, right? Hey, Yeti. I just want to do a fact. Can I just do a fact check here? I'm um, sorry, it's just really important, and I, it's so unfortunate because I've heard this, uh, and I don't want to mention the project's name either. I've heard that a lot, unfortunately, um, and it's ironic that 
the founder is not the founder of the official Comic-Con. We all know. Um, actually, the official Comic-Con has a very strong trademark case if they want to against him. He started a regional inspired by official Comic-Con Comic-Con. And but I know that that's been the pitch and it's unfortunate, but it's just another reminder for everyone like D.Y.O.R. about everything. If someone says they're the founder of Comic-Con, go to official Comic-Con and see is he listed as the founder. These are basic things we all need to do, because unfortunately, I've heard that narrative so many times. I did that research on that project very early on. I don't like to just like drag people through the mud, so I haven't been that public about it. But when I hear that, it's unfortunate. Anyways. But also to act that a little bit, that's a huge ask of holders to be creators. And not every holder community is going to be creators. Some just want to hold the NFT and license it the fuck out and then ride that wave. And that's obviously been done well with the apes and the moonbirds under pretenses thought that that's what was going to happen until it isn't. I don't think it's a conversation around CC0 is good or bad. It's a conversation of promise and then a really fast, like speedy fucking effort to, for some reason, make it CC0 without telling anyone. Um, but before I, I just wanted to address that directly because it's like, yeah, I get it, man. Like creating characters, absolutely super fun. But not everyone's going to want to spend time writing lore as a holder. They just they just they're not going to. And that's that's OK. That was part of the incentive of IP. You get a bunch of these characters and then you license them up for others to do that with. Right. OK. Backtracking for a sec, though. Also. Hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Long time. No talk. It's like it's like we start the day together and a gay together. I know. And everybody else, obviously. Hello, too. So Sorry, I'm just like my ADHD brain. I have a list in front of me or I'll forget all my shit. Um, okay, so I'll I'll start with just a quick chat about AI birds because I think it's fascinating. And also you might appreciate this. Um, and then I do want to address what was said in the spaces today because holy Let's shit. Let's go. So and, and hear me out for the entirety of this. Cause it's going to start really salty, but then it'll circle back to not being so salty. Um, so I, I thought I would give you that warning. So. For those of you who don't know, that project scraped 10,000 pictures, which are the moonbirds, and then ran them through again, which is a general adversarial network with the nature-infused theme to create what you see. And it's awesome, and it's beautiful. But uh, like slight correction. It's, it's actually, they made the neural network, so they trained it. Um, yeah, yeah, each yeah. Image they, was... made, they made their own GAN. I got it. It's, so, yeah. that's, the part, that's the part that makes it, yeah, that is their medium. Their medium is the GAN. But what they also forgot to include is that the starting point is an actual bird, like Steve's or mine or whoever's was used. And at the time that that was created, that's actually not technically okay. And furthermore, because they didn't even bother to adjust the provenance numbers of these, if you look up like our numbers, you will see the exact one. They're like, cause, and it's actually, it's it's not that hard to rename all of the image files, but they didn't even bother doing that because like, fuck it. Anyways, the point though, is that if you like actually look at like mine specifically, there was like a 0.5 ETH profit made on the fact that my owned IP image was used to generate that other one and someone profited for it. That was not me. And so at the time I was like, oh, okay, like, that's fucking weird. That's That's like, that's exactly the antithesis of that, right? Um, and so I, w I was always fundamentally against that because I actually think that the network itself that they've created is beautiful. Holy fuck, use like some other original images and run it and then the project would moon. Doing something that already exists, it's kind of like, that's why it went to 0.06 from whatever because it's really hard to maintain a derivative project. You all know how it works. So like the, the potential is there to make novel imagery and wow the space. It was an opportunity lost to to use something that's already existing, in my opinion. But 
at the same time, blame goes on people supporting it as well, because that's how we don't promote like innovation is by participating in derivative stuff. And that's fine. Again, tangent to say, though, that now it's CC0, like that project, who gives a fuck, right? Like it doesn't even matter anymore because technically anybody can do anything, whether they run it through um, an AI network or they fucking like, you know, watercolor it or whatever you want to do go crazy so it's it's kind of fascinating how the tables have turned and even to your point of being like well do we rename ourselves or not i mean it kind of could now it doesn't even matter so retrospectively it's actually an interesting kind of consideration because now from the initial perception of them of, of, of even a holder being like you fucking stole my shit to now looking at it like well is it kind of this artistic kind of fun rendering because fundamentally the issue was that you actually were going against my ip rights but now technically that project isn't going against my ip rights because they have changed and so it's, it's it's a fascinating like point to consider and then just circling back quickly to and so so steve to you if you're looking for your corresponding ai nightbird just type in the fucking number of yours and you'll get it um but also for the the whole like team situation i think that and kevin like it's it's in the recording you can go back and listen to it he literally spelled out why they did this the problem is they should have just communicated that this is why they did this he said that there is just like no time for them to bother with doing all the ip protection all of the legal stuff all of the like dmca requests coming in like basically just running a whole like slew of legal operations and spending all of that time he said that himself he's like now the benefit of this is we are free to actually work and execute on like things we want to do and for me like, why didn't, why didn't you just come out and say that? Why don't you just be like, yo, we're fucking lazy in this regard. We don't want to fucking manage this anymore. And that's why we are going to go CCO zero. And instead, we're going to partner with like five more artists and drop some other cool shit and fuck it, go CCO. It frees us up to do cooler things. And because of this announcement, we're going to kind of tank the floor a bit, but we'll get extra secondary sales on that while we're at it so that we can like maybe hire more people. Like all of that transparency, I would be living for. I'd be like, oh shit, okay, well, at least you're just owning what the fuck your strategy is. And so like the fact that they just didn't do that and the whole space painfully tried to skirt around that to me is kind of like, oh man. And I love what Jeremiah said in it too, because he's like, why, if you were all about CCO, purely and like actually innovating the cco narrative why not make the upcoming raven cco like you did not have to backtrack so there is definitely like a reason with the moonbirds for them to do it and to do it when they did so that's the hill i'm going to choose to die on thanks for letting me rant I, love you guys can i chime in here uh, let's let's do this just just because i know vicky's also been waiting and i, I do want to be respectful as always let's hit her up and then we'll we'll, we'll slide back to you does that sound good of course well, let's uh, let's go, Vicky. What's going on, Vicky? How are you? Put hey, your hand up, Double B, so we remember. Um, yeah, out of Lumen, just to hit on the, the the kind of point is that I was trying to make with several people over the course of today is like most people, the, the general people, public investors, NFT people, either don't understand the CC zero or couldn't give a fuck about it till everybody else starts talking about it, and then everyone's got an opinion. But I think it just goes back to the basic thing is that these Web2 builders are coming in and they've built very successful companies and they know how to build successful companies. And they should, by rights, know with some of them how that they have to talk to their investors. But this was a prime example of, of what just happened is that 
They didn't really care about the people that invested in the Moonbirds project because they showed that by not consulting any of them. They chose to run it like a Web2 business. They chose to say, oh, well, if you scroll down Apple's terms of service and bother to read them, you'll see that there's a clause in there which says that Apple can do whatever they like. Some of the examples we used banning around Apple and, and Board Ape Yacht Club to get away from the pure excuses that they fucked up. And the telling point is the two key points, which is the point which has been mentioned is they didn't want to spend a lot of time on legal battles with people on IP. And, and last night on Baroque Space, Kevin Rose said, again, anyone can listen back to this, um, it's all a big experiment. Now, that's fucking great. I mean, a big experiment. But when you've got people in your community that have spent a lot of money on assets and, you know, maybe overextended, that's obviously their their issue in that sense that that's what they've chosen to do. Or maybe, like Kevin Rosen, decided to significantly use some of their savings to invest in Kevin's project. You're a fucking big experiment. That That's not, like, the best phrase he could have used along with this legal thing and i just think that it's such a bad precedent because it, the bigger issue is not cc zero or anything else is trust and once a founder has lost people's trust and there are several builders within the space that i've completely lost trust and disrespect for over the last year where they will say things in discord and they will say things on spaces and they will write things in tweets and um, i literally I look at some of the, the conversation, the way they talk to people, the way they change things that they say, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. And then they send out fanny packs. Like I was like, I, I, I'm laughing, but I would not be laughing if I was a holder. Like it, it, it's, it's mind blowing. It's like you want to say we're in a big experiment web three, but you're going to send out a load of guys fanny packs because it is mostly guys. Let's be honest about it. But, you know, it, it just is stunningly, yeah, I don't want to rant anymore because I just find it's just very frustrating that they treat other human beings in such a disrespectful way that they're just, you know, we're going to change it whenever we feel like it, bottom line. It's okay to rant, though, Vicky. We all, we all feel the same way. This is, I mean, the fact that they, the fact that people say it's an experiment, um, I didn't, I don't think I caught that and I actually was listening. Um, it was last I'll, night on Broke Space. Actually, Kevin Rose said, oh, it's I a actually, big yeah, experiment. I have that. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's nuts to me. That's nuts because people like me bought in. I mean, I I didn't I didn't get lucky and get the get the raffle, so I had to convince my wife that this was a good idea. And and by all means, I'm not saying it's not at this point. It goes back to precedence and what you're saying and what Outer's saying is important because, and I know Outer's opinion right now on the founders of that. So I I'm I'm leaning that direction. Um, the more and more I get angry about this. Um, and I don't want anger to take control, but they need to remember reality. Like you just said, like you said, let's be real. Like it's majority guys, but let's also be real. People had to convince their their spouses and loved ones to like make these decisions and to spend money on these things. And to say it's an experiment, it's like, wait a minute, did I buy into an experiment or did I buy into something that you said you had a long-term vision um, to really help us gain some sort of value, whatever that might be. Some people, it was monetary. Some people want to be a part of a community. But it's like, yeah, I just that that doesn't put me in a good spot when I hear stuff like that. So um, anyway, I'll, Steve, I'll kick it back to you, Stacky, but I, I got to go on mute. No, good. I'll, I, I can run around hands real quick. I think that we had um, Double B next. And then and we'll rotate through, and I know we want to get to Gucci and uh, um, Tiffany as well. So 
we'll definitely make that that switch soon. But we want to make sure that everyone with the hands gets to kind of give their their take and then, you know, rotate the stage as needed when it makes sense. But uh, double B, I think you were you were next yep. and you had a thought. OK, great. So thanks for the time, guys. I'm not active on Twitter. I don't tweet. I don't talk in spaces. Um, I don't have many followers. I run my business and then I make my personal investments. Um, I own 12 Moonbirds and I bought, I did not get any at Mint. I bought them all in the open market. Um, and I bought, I bought a few and then I started to add them for a project that's business related, which would fly personally, which flies in the face of basically everything that everybody's fighting about as it relates to, you know, now I, cause I bought my specific Moonbirds in order to use them for my business, a very big project that we we're investing time, money, and effort in. It's, just, it's, not, it's obviously not an insignificant investment. Um, and so that's like, that's my first frame of reference. So I think a lot of the people that don't own any of the assets and that haven't thought about things, not that their opinions are not valid because they're very much valid. Everybody's entitled to opinion about anything. However, you know, just as like when, you know, to use a terrible analogy, when, you know, a loved one gets cancer and somebody else can empathize with you unless you're the one in that, those shoes. You don't really know how it feels regardless of you may have a strong opinion or think, oh, my God, that's so bad. So I just I'm going to rant. Like I said, I'm going to ramble a little bit. So just give me a little bit of leeway. Um, so when I first heard that, like, wow, I just bought these. I didn't even need to buy those extra Moonbirds. Like I could have just used the best looking ones, the rarest ones, whatever I chose and used Joe, Mary and Harry's. Um, now at the end of the day, I'm happy about the decision at the, the more I thought about it, because while I have those moonbirds, a, I can choose to vote with my feet, which you can always do as a shareholder or as an investor or whatever you want it to. I know obviously NFT is the same thing as typical shareholders, but companies make pivots all the time. And that Walmart example, it was, it's not about the customer, it's about the shareholders. Yeah, they're not going to start opening gyms, but they may see, you know, tech companies pivot all the time to new products and they're major pivots. And a shareholder may say, you know, well, I thought I was investing in this. Okay, fine. Then you exit the project. And at the end of the day, the best, most successful companies in life, in business, in NFT world are going to be those that are done by successful, driven, and smart founders. So that's who I invest in. Like you guys mentioned Jenkins. Like I love what they're doing. I have 50 NFTs of the Jenkins across the writer's rooms and the, and the, book, and the books because I just think they're hungry. They're driven. They're smart. They've got awesome people. They've got an awesome team. And, you know, Kevin Rose's credentials speak for themselves. He's not immune from criticism, the way they handled it. Personally, I think they should have, um, I think they should have told the community about it. I think they should have brought it up, had a discussion. I think they feared there was going to be a lot of negative of this and they didn't want it. And then they make the decision. They maybe they piss off 50% of their holders. And those people are like, Oh, you, I expressed my opinion that I, you know, hated this idea and you did it anyway. You don't care about the community. So like, they made a tough decision. You know, this is all new. So they made a reverse course pretty quick. However, you know, there's fakes of everything out there. The fact that there's seven Moonbirds or 800 other things that somebody can put up. I mean, there's more fake Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton bags than there is real bags. Like, 
Who cares? Yeah, you can have a fake leave. It's even worse. It, it, it's it's even worse because it's harder to verify, and nobody really knows. With the blockchain, obviously, we own the original Moonbirds. You know, the, the fakes that people are doing. I mean, who cares? It really does. At the end of the day, all those projects are going to zero. Just like most NFT projects that don't have experienced, smart, talented founders like the Proof Team does. They're actually one of the, you know. There's, there's, there's obviously luck in everything for some of these NFT projects that have gone off their skill, but there's also luck. Proof and Moonbirds is building a real tech company. They, are, they have engineers. They've got employees that have experience building products. Kevin Rose's resume speaks for itself. And at the end of the day, that's who I'm investing in. And if I hated the decision that much and feel like he ripped me off and I got this and he said, you know, X, Y, or Z, then I, I have the right to sell here. Um, I mean, you could have made another argument if the stock went to zero or the NFT went from, you know, to, to two. Oh my God, I got completely rugged. And, but, but that didn't happen. That actually, the fact set as far as what happened is relevant. Like, yeah, it came off a couple of points, but I, I don't, I, personally, I think it'll be short-lived. And again, you're, come, you're talking to somebody that purchased them specifically to exploit mine. My design team, my business team has my specific NFTs, my own Moonbirds. So now I got to think, oh shit, should I go back and look at the, if there's better ones and you know, why did I buy these? And I just can't believe he did it about face menu when I bought all these, when I, you know, bought all these Moonbirds. And like at the end of the day, yeah, I felt a little like, oh my God, I kind of like, why did I do that? And I didn't have to do that. And now if I want to get out, it is going to cost me a little bit of money. But like at the end of the day, you know, it was a quick pivot, but you still have the right to exploit your IP, just like I'm going to do the exact same thing that I was doing. And if somebody wants to come in and use my Moonbird to like challenge me or whatever, like that's, that's fine. Like I truly believe that decentralization is in the spirit of web three and that everybody that's talking about monetizing their IP, quite frankly, is a bunch of garbage. And I'll tell you why from a philosophical standpoint, it's not because I get it. I get the ethos of web three and, and it's really important. The ownership piece, however, and again, this is coming from somebody that owns has a, has a, you know, not small investment in Jenkins and tally labs, but how much money are the people going to make that license their board eight to tally labs? Like if somebody could put that on the table and nobody knows what it is, it's going to be pretty much nothing that they're going to, and great. If you want to like get on a high horse about, but it's not about the money. It's about the point. That's fine. However, at the end of the day, the proof team made the decision, you know, that realistically the, the people that are going to monetize their specific burden, again, I'm going to take what I was already doing and still do it. So like, I really don't see a big detrimental impact outside of the fact that I had to buy those moonbirds. And if I want to sell my someone lost, but at the end of the day, no, like, like, like Kevin referenced, no big company as we move forward and NFTs become, you know, it, it's, it's obviously fairly new and there's web two companies are entering, but they haven't entered in mass and they will en enter in mass and no web two company isn't spending $20,000 or a hundred thousand dollars. If they really want to, what would outlay meaningful royalty money on an NFT, it's just, it's potatoes. So yes, there may be a one-off that the Lacoste that has the, you know, where he could like do something really awesome. But like at the end of the day, Kevin and the team is making the decision that they think is the best interest of the shareholders. They're not doing it so they don't have to waste their time fighting. That kind of stuff is quite frankly absurd.
if I'm being completely but, but, frank. But I guess, I guess just to push back a bit and, and you know, as we continue to I, – I, one, I, I don't think you can say, oh, by the way – because Lacos is a friend of mine. Like, I know him. He had dinner with me, like – Thursday night at NFT NYC, I had dinner with a group of like close friends. James was there. Some other were there like at a, a restaurant, like to celebrate my dad's life after my dad passed. So Lacos was there. So I know Lacos pretty well. I, I don't love the idea of throwing away like, yeah, there's Lacos by the way with his six figure deal. Like, I mean, that that's not a no, by the way to me. And um, I, I guess, I guess I'd also say like, we also don't know. I think it's early to, to say that. And I, I don't know that, and I can, by the way, I can bifurcate the fact that I think I can be critical of the CCO decision and I can not like that direction and I cannot like how they communicated. And I can still say, on the other hand, I still believe what Kevin and Justin are building and I'm holding my Moonbirds and my two oddities. But I, yes. I just, I don't, I, 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 I yeah, don't. Because it, because... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I think it's a great point. And again, you know, he's your, your friend is he got fucked here. Like he did. He, 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 he got screwed here. And at the end of the day, the vision, it, it was a sacrificial lamb. And, and, and if he's being honest, they'll say that those, the one-off guy, I, I bet if you polled the other, every single one of the five or 6,000 holders, he was the only one that lost more than $500. That would be my guess. And again, for him, if it was me, I would probably as the Moonbirds. I would probably try to figure out a way to say, hey, listen, you know, this is an extreme example. You have all the paperwork, et cetera. Let's talk about it. You, you, I'd love to figure out a way how to reimburse you. And I think if you had the Moonbirds vote on that, they would all vote to or they would, they would win the day to, to, for your friend. So I, I, I'm sympathetic to that and I don't disagree. However, at the end of the day, four to 5,000 Moonbird holders and you know, putting out their Moonbird in whatever way on Twitter as their PFP or whatever, the way to drive the value is to take it to the millions. And Kevin, that's what he sees. And he wants unleashed creativity to have the Moonbirds be anywhere and everywhere. And he sees it's so hard to push out, you know, a brand to the world. And he's like, what, you know, like I say, but bad publicity is better than no publicity. Like, I'm not saying in that case here, but like that idea, that concept is like, Get the Moonbirds everywhere, everywhere and anywhere, because most people have good intentions and you'll get projects here. You'll get art. You'll get more people looking at it and it's going to lift the boats and the original tokens at the end of the day will accrete value. And then they're going to do a ton of other things as it relates to value creation around high rise and other drops and all other kinds of tech they're going to build over the next decade. So, you know. Right, but 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 real quick, and I know Justin, you're chiming I, in as well, so I, I want to throw to you. Go ahead. for him, yeah, yeah. Double B, just based on what you said, can I? I just want to ask a couple of questions. So you've you bought twelve, and you're planning on building, you know, this business or entertain whatever entertain property around these twelve. Knowing now that yeah, anyone, you didn't have to buy the token to actually produce whatever Correct. you're producing. Right. So now, if you had the opportunity to let's say break even or maybe even make a little bit money on on the 12 would you then sell them and then still move forward with your idea since you could do that now so if i chose to do that absolutely i could i could sell them and move forward with my idea the same way i was you, past, like yes. if you have the opportunity if for a break even no i no absolutely not okay. absolutely not absolutely not no and then what were your thoughts because you're talking about how the value which i agree is in the team not just the vision but the team that can carry out the vision one of the reasons that, you know, when they were talking about the deliberation between what to do 
was to me very strange, which was, well, if the company shuts down, then all this IP will still have life. What were your thoughts when you heard that? Or if you I'm did sorry, hear that, you I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? One of the considerations they said was that you know if the you know proof or you know Moonbirds ever like as a brand or company closes and shuts down, like this still gives the IP life. What were your thoughts about that? You know, it's a non-event for me because I know. Kevin Rose is betting his very well-established reputation on this, and he's in this for the long haul. And as I said at the outset, my first thing, whenever you invest in anything, it's always about who you're investing in. And there's luck and there's different things that play into things, but your success rate, I've invested in a lot of different things, and your success rate is always the highest when you invest in awesome people. So I don't really care about, then I'll lose everything because I made a bad investment because Kevin and his team did a shitty job or whatever they trying to do didn't work. However, if everything goes to hell, I, I, I just, that's not why I bought, that's not why I bought into the project. I bought into the project for the team and what I think they're going to build and become one of the absolute leaders and the absolute tech leader of Web3. And it's probably the most, and I have a pl plenty of, of, of uh, Web3 investments. I, I have, n there's no team that I would rather invest in than Kevin Rosen and that team. So I, I don't look at like if it, if it goes bad, because if it goes bad, then I made a bad investment. I was wrong. Totally. Yeah, no, totally fair. And, and I, again, I, all, all perspectives welcome um, and appreciate that you are passionately in that particular camp. Um, and, and, and I, it's, I mean, it's a good thing that like, you're feeling that way. I know not all, everyone shares that way. I, most I, people I, don't, I get it. I get it. And, and, I, I, and I, yeah, and I, I personally don't, love the argument of like well most people weren't yet within three months of this project utilizing their ip so therefore they never that's an, would that's, um, that's the best I, point that's the best point is that how do you make such a rapid change in three months and you had all these people invest based on this set of conditions and three months later you like flip it i think that is shitty and there's yeah. i do have i personally have problems with that and i i have problems with i have problems with a lot of things i think if you polled, and I, I could be wrong, I think if you polled the Moonbird holders and then if you polled the top 500 holders, it, they would be overwhelmingly in support of the project, of the team, and probably have no reason to sell. Because again, at the end of the day, the IP in all of these Web3 uh, PFPs and whatever you want to call it, it's really not going to be worth anything. And I strongly believe that. And I hope maybe I'm proved wrong in the bored and dangerous books, which I have a ton of, they, they accrue tons of royalties to those board, the 4,000 board ape holders, but it's just, it's not going to happen. Like it's just, it's, it's just not going to happen. And, and me licensing my Moonbird to, and I, I actually, not to go off on a crazy tangent, I thought about a business around IP licensing as it related to signing up. Like it's just, the more I looked at it and talked to people and talked to, talked to business, it's like anybody that has any kind of treasury or balance sheet, will never do a license with a small guy. They'll just like do it themselves. So like there's not this huge opportunity to like license, oh, I own my specific Moonbird with my hat that I have in my PFP. It's just like not going to get me any value. And so Kevin Rose, I think they did take that into consideration. Um, the fact that, hey, are we screwing people out of millions of dollars that made an investment under this set of circumstances? And that's why your friend 
is 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 happens to be a unique situation that quite frankly i believe moonbirds makes a lot of money on the turning over there he should get reimbursed somehow and so and, and i don't care about the precedent would set i would have people submit their things and it's not going to be many people that are going to submit hey i this really screwed me financially he deserves something and as a holder whatever i would Vote, vote in favor of that at hundred out of hundred and, times, and you might and you might get a chance to with the Dow. So we'll we'll see. But it's yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Like I said, it's it's hard to it's hard to know. I think the implication of this yet, and I think we'll see over time whether Kevin Rose, as he said in his space, was way ahead of the game or if he yeah. was way off, and and we'll find out. But I do want to I do want to kick it down. I appreciate the yep. insights. I want to kick it down, right, Zoe. Th- I know thanks Zoe- for letting me. Thanks for letting me talk. Appreciate. Yeah, it. absolutely. Thanks for coming up. Uh, Thank appreciate Thank appreciate you. appreciate the insight. Um. Zoe, how's it going? Good. Um, hi, everyone. Good. Good night. It's it's like a quarter past twelve here, midnight. But double B, I actually agree with what you were saying, but from a different point of view. And I've missed all week, to be honest. I've missed like what's happening in this space. Um, but now I understand that the IP rights, like it's public domain, which means everyone can use it now, even if you don't own it the moonbird. And I was like, wait, what? Um, I think it's an interesting concept. So pass the whole um, argument, if it was a good decision without the holders and everything like that. I was wondering, or I was thinking, what would the reason be behind it? What would the conceptual reason be behind it? Because like there will be said, I feel like um, he, he makes smart de- smart decisions. So uh, we think, because I also understand that people might think, yeah, but they also don't know what's going to happen because things are super new and you cannot just put your trust in a founder um, just because of their background, or you can. But I think they know what they're doing. And I was thinking about the concept behind it. And if you now have public domain, because look at it in this way, when the Board Apes came out and it was one of the first projects to give away IP, it grew because of that reason. People were making fan art, all kinds of uh, these, all kinds of stuff. But you couldn't use it if you didn't own the board ape. Now you can use that Moonbird, which means it brings more eyes to the project. Not only because of the news that's happening right now, but also because I can now use it. If I would want, I I will not use it. And that's my other argument. I wonder if people think it's actually let's say just cool like flex to use something that you actually don't own so are people actually gonna do it and make business out of it i don't know i mean we all know how cool it is to own the actual nft of a project so even though it is public right now i i'm not sure if it's really gonna um if people are really gonna use it Susie. and what double b was saying i do think that you need even if you're gonna um, what's it called? Like you're gonna um, um, make sure like no one else can use it. God, I forgot the legal term. Even if you're gonna do it, trademark it. Um, you still need to be kind of someone to make like money out of it, right? Like even with the board apes, yes, you can uh, lend your ape or put it up for an audition, and but people still associate the person behind it like how big is the following is it actually someone like someone like franklin will probably get more jobs than someone else who's maybe smaller yes maybe like 2k followers or something i don't know but i i just think that the in the concept is really interesting and i was laughing when i heard about it um and i think it's or 
Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Maybe that's that's a little bit harsh to say since people are not happy about it. But I think it will bring more value to the project and maybe look at it from the other side. Like may, maybe this is going to be something good and you can actually sell your Moonbird for much more because you own the original one. I mean, I, yeah, you can use Mona Lisa prints of it, but it's still not the real thing. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. I think I think there's I think it's a really good point and that's that's the that's the, certainly the pro argument for it right the thing I would say on the other side is like and this is the extreme examples I'm not saying this would happen but this is the idea of it you can like do this on scales and orders of magnitude is that imagine a politician which you hate more than any other politician now imagine that your moonbird was the symbol for their campaign they could now theoretically do that now look that's not going to happen I, that's ridiculous but like yeah but I, I get it, it. but but that's the idea is that right it's public domain and you couldn't stop it from happening or imagine you saw somebody with your moonbird making millions of dollars through like a a clothing brand right and and it was awesome and sure it would make the token more but you didn't want to sell cuz you love this token so you can't monetize holding it but instead your only way to monetize is to sell and you can't get a dime from the person who is actually using it. Um, so to me, the IP thing was always a fun way to potentially utilize it to make some money along the way in addition to sort of the token hole. Because again, there's the token and there's the art. Right now, now the art is essentially not yours. Um, so I think that there's like that that piece there. But it's, it's good and bad. And I think it has but, positive but and Steve, negative. Can I just say to the first point, um, they can put in rules just like the like you got it like you cannot use it for porn for discrimination for violence they can do the same and at politics do it like you can still make sure that people don't don't do anything bad with it go ahead actually now with public domain I don't think they can do anything and here's the crazy part Zoe is it's irreversible which that blew my mind when when I heard that it's irreversible it's public domain Anyone can use it. And, and I, I'm not even kidding. It was literally used as an example of why this is good, is that it's irreversible. And I was like, why does that make it good? Oh, wait, I have an answer for that. Okay, <laughs> please, please, please. I, I've been I've been searching for an answer for that one. No, that's okay. Um, well, here's why I'm actually comfortable with it being irreversible. And that's only because if they if, if they had really shady behavior, in terms of insider trading with whatever moonbirds they had, because um, they knew that might tank the floor, and then they might buy them back, and then this is, and then they reverse it. Like they could have easily been like, "Oh shit, we made a mistake. We're still learning. We're gonna, we're gonna reverse it back. We heard the community. We're gonna make it right." And then, you know, what we don't see is like what's on chain and tornado cash, right? So, and I'm not even saying like. That, that they did this. They have enough funding and enough stuff. Like, this is not the kind of team that would do this. But the fact that they're making the decision irreversible is actually, like, a good thing in my books because they can't play any of those weirdo situations. Like, this is what they're doing and they're not going back on it no matter what kind of behavior is, is transpiring. But that's the only silver lining in that. And again, this is actually not a team that would likely, that would likely do that. Um, but one thing that I can't keep thinking about as Zoe's talking is, like, I don't know of a single use case and I'm trying to find one in my mind where there are people that use an NFT individually that is Creative Commons zero. Like I'm thinking of the MFers, the Gremlins, what was the other, there's another, Cryptodes. Cryptodes are, were the first that were CC zero. I'm trying to think of someone who was like, oh, I'm going to take some random single NFT 
and go with it from a project that I don't own anything in. And so what's interesting to me is I think that's on a, on a bigger scale is, is going to inspire new projects with new holders that can then build on their own, you know, holdership. I don't know why it's going to incentivize anybody to touch a CCO Moonbird just, you know, on, on a single scale. I could see why it would like drive something like Nightbirds or derivatives or that kind of stuff because you stand to gain monetary value there from people buying into them. But as a creative individual, why would you bother with a token you don't hold of the things that you can buy and you can hold? Like, it's it just, about the flex. You want to flex. You don't want to flex something you don't have. Exactly. That's what I mean. So I think it might, it, like, if anything, this, this isn't going to spawn people being like, oh, I'm going to use Lumen's Moonbird and do shit with it. It's going to be like, I'm going to make another project <laughs> or, or buy something else where I could own it and then I'm going to grow and flex that. And then in turn, I think what this does is that, like, I no longer will do anything with with my moonbird in terms of creative character growth or any of that because I don't give a shit like everyone else can do it that's fine but if I did it would still add, add value technically even though others can just because I am the one that's the ultimate holder of it but the point for me is like I'm less salty about it the CC0 decision as I am about them being really fucking shady about why they did it like that to say that it's for the greater good of the community and drop it no man and that means that I don't trust them and and a lot of people on that space um, and in Discord, don't fucking trust them either anymore. Because that's that's really amateur. And it's just like, yo, we're supposed to like respect you guys as these leaders with these great histories. You pull a stunt like that. What does that say for the future of the project? That's like, it's not even about the CCO decision. I love my MFR, don't get me wrong. But it's about like, I just, this is so shady to me in terms of how they dropped it, how they delivered it. And there's only like two ways of looking at it. Like, are they that dumb? They're not. So then they had a, a different motivator, right? And they're not revealing it. And and that's like that's the leader. Can I and then I and then I will go off the mic. Can I bring something into the point to get your point of view, which is I also think that maybe it's because in Web3 we have other expectations than we have, right? And because traditional companies can also change course. They all can also be like, okay, we're gonna do this different or um, change this. And I know we're in Web3, so we expect them to actually include the community when they're going to make those kind of choices. So I think there's no one or no project is going to make the same mistake, I think, ever again, because they're learning now um, what it's doing in the community. But um, may maybe they knew that they actually had to check, but they were like, if we're going to check, what's going to happen? Are they going to say no? If they say no, are we going to listen? Like, maybe it was also... I don't know. It, it's just like, where do you involve the community in when it comes to certain business decisions? Well, I think I think they're smart enough to know that this reaction was probably coming. And I think my gut is, again, working in a lot of corporate environments in my life, my gut is that they knew that the decision wouldn't be well received. They made it for reasons that make a lot of sense to them. I mean, Outer called it. They said, oh, we're spending a lot of time litigating. And if we're talking to big studios, it's a lot of work for us to get individuals. You know, I mean, you could read between the lines and see. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to go so cynical to say that is all of the reason. I know, Outer, you think that is all the reason. I'm not going to go so cynical to say it's out of all the reason. Um, and that's why I love you. But um, I, I will say, like, that was a large part of it. They knew it wouldn't be well received. So just working in a lot of corporate environments, my gut is they were smart enough to know there wouldn't be a good reaction. They're saying they're surprised by it. I, I don't think they are. Uh, I believe they were genuinely surprised by the reaction to oddities. I don't think they're genuinely surprised by this. And I think that they're standing in the, I think they're like, let's stand in the batter's box. Let's take some pitches. Let's take the heat. Let's do a couple of spaces. 
And now next time we talk about it, well, we're moved on from that. And, and they, so they've addressed it. They've been through it. And, and I, that's my gut is that what, what happened here, totally reading between the lines, is that it's mostly a decision that works for proof. I'm not saying it doesn't work for the holders at all. Time will tell. And maybe they are way ahead of their time. But I think there's a good chance they knew this wasn't going to go well. It's mostly advantageous to them. That's why they don't have a good answer as to how it fix, makes things good for holders outside of, well, if something big happens, it's good for the floor price. Um, and so because of that, I think they were just going to stand in the pocket, take the rush, go for it. It's like two sports analogies in one. I got to stop. But like um, basically, Steve, that's it. Steve or Outer Lumen, can I just ask with respect to the spending all this time litigating, can you clarify that? Just because um, that... If, if they're saying that that's a reason, if that's the reason, that's complete horseshit because you literally do not have to litigate. Nobody forces you to litigate anything. The best thing you can do is go to the recorded space uh, and fast forward to when Kevin mentions um, in response to, I believe, Jeremiah. So go to when Jeremiah started talking um, and Kevin alludes to how a benefit of this is that they have now way more free time to focus on doing other drops and other fun things for the community instead of spending time on whatever requests um, that they have from, um, you know, like uh, takedown requests or any kind of like any like matters surrounding trademark, copyright, any of that they now don't have to deal with. And so he just he mentioned it as a positive and that they now have all this time to focus on these other things. And so if you read between those lines, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, why didn't you just come out straight up and be like, yo, we don't want to deal with any of this. This is why this is CCO zero moving on with our lives, right? Yeah, I, I no, to that, I'm going to say if they're talking about, honestly, don't even want to waste my time listening to that whole thing. But if <laughs> your, your explanation is good enough for me, but the, to that whole thing, like, if they're talking about we don't want to spend time addressing uh, c copyright complaints of holders, that's an issue. But if you're telling me, hey, this frees our time because now we don't have to spend time litigating on our behalf from people, you know, taking our copyright. Um, that's bullshit because nobody is forced to litigate anything. That's your decision. You could literally not litigate. You choose when to litigate and when not to litigate. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and here's the part that, as I understand it, if I understand it correctly, and again, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, because we had a discussion about this earlier, but somebody mentioned that the name Moonbirds does not fall under the CCO, which effectively means that the only litigating they're doing will be around the thing that they have control over, which is their Moonbirds name. But the holder uh, piece that I own, ah, fuck it, whatever. You know what I mean? Like the value, the devalue that comes from me, eh. But like the Moonbird name, hey, we're still going to protect that. Um, you know, so, so I think that's what's super interesting as well because it's like almost like we're keeping we're keeping uh, hanging on to the thing we have, but the thing we gave to you is gone. Um, let's rotate a few more hands because I know we did want to get to a couple, of, uh, a couple other topics from this week, but I know it's a hot stage. Um, let's go through, uh, geez, I think the stage rotated a little bit. So let's go uh, Tatted Lawyer, actually. Like, actually, I, I, Tatted Lawyer tells me you have a very interesting perspective on this. Happy to have you up here. How are you doing today? Yes, yes. Hey, happy to be here, everybody. Um, I do have an interesting perspective on it. I don't think Moonbird holders are going to like my opinion on this. But uh, from a legal perspective, this is a genius move uh, from the from the proof company, because this move essentially frees them up to now use 
all of the holders, Moonbirds, without their permission in anything they do. And they don't have to, they don't have to give permission. They don't have to do anything. They're, your, your point about them not uh, doing the CCO for the actual Moonbirds itself is a very, very telling thing because essentially they're saying, hey, we're protecting our brands. And now we're able to use all of your Moonbirds any way we want to. And you guys are essentially losing benefits. Like they basically stripped Moonbird holders of a benefit that they promised from the, from the initial outset when they first did the sale, which that's why obviously this is being received really poorly. And going back to, to Zoe's point, her saying, oh, who wants to flex with someone they don't own? Well, I live in Miami. People don't own anything here, and they flex very, very hard with every single thing that they get for free rent or come on their, their buddy's table with or something like that. So I think majority of people are going to flex with something that they don't own and basically switching Isn't it to an CC0. Do you think an NFT is different, though? No. Why is it different? It's an asset. Yeah, but, um, well, I see your point. No, because there is someone actually that was um, telling me about NFTs. I just, a friend of mine that I saw, and he told me about this ape he owned. And I was like, is it a bored ape? He's like, no, but this one is cooler. So I explained to him that those were derivatives, but he really liked it and he thought it was cooler. So I see your point from there, but that's a derivative. you're coming from the from the perspective that you're in this space and you have any idea what he's talking about. You got to think 99% yeah. of the population are going to have absolutely no clue what's real and what's fake. So that's, also that's from the that, point sorry. is if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm flexing something that's not mine and you have no idea how to go on a blockchain and check that it's not mine and now there's no any, or excuse me, and I've, I've now built a brand out of this thing that's not mine I'm monetizing from it commercially. You as the holder, you're getting zero and you have zero right to get anything from me because of this new change. Who's who's to say I don't actually own it just because it says you own it on a blockchain? Now that actually is called into question too, uh, as well. And you can prove it being like, well, I just made, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars off of this Moonbird that I don't own. She's saying she does own it, but guess what? She didn't make hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars and she can't even sue me uh, for any of this money that I made. So I think the point is they kind of stripped holders of uh, essentially this benefit they had or this power they had over their own uh, NFT that now they now no longer have to protect the company and protect the brand rather than to protect the holders. That, that was the point Sorry, that, that I, I brought up I... this morning. Can go I, ahead, sorry. Go ahead. I, sorry, I, I interrupted you. Sorry. Um, I think I also come from a point of view of fashion, to be honest, because I, I constantly think of that, right? And I think to myself, the people are, are the are the customers, collectors. I would have they wouldn't want to have a fake version of something. So I think that's also how I think. I and I understand that some people don't care and. Um, for derivative and some people won't care to have something that they don't own but I think the people that I'm talking about or how I'm thinking is like they don't want to own a fake like um, off-white or something perhaps you're also in Europe Zoe. More, yeah yeah more I'm going to push back slightly on that 
just with the sense that think about how many people buy off-brand stuff and exactly, that, that, but so I'm like, not thinking well, no, about when those. I, when people. I say off-brand, I mean like fake Gucci bags. Like I said, you can go to the you can you can be in the most expensive restaurants in Miami and see fake Gucci bags everywhere being passed off as real because there's such a small percentage of people in the world who'd be able to tell the difference between a real one and a real good fake. So that, no, that's no, point. not really. A lot. But of wait, can I just take. finish this? But Zoe, point? I think one thing is you're can also. I, can I, can I really I finish this point? I'm sorry. Sure, I just want to finish this point, you guys, because I, um, that I understand what you're saying. I that's what I'm saying. I understand where you're coming from. I'm just trying to explain where I'm coming from. So I think of it in a different way. But like I was saying in the example, I understand that there are people who don't care for a derivative or who don't care it's something that's not something they own. But how I think, so I agree with you, but how I think is like, yeah, but you don't want to flex something you don't own. But that's because I think of a different demographic. I'm just um, explaining that I think like a different demographic, but I understand your point. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, James. I, I was just going to say, this is Tad had brought up the point that I brought up this morning. Is it's and Zoe, I understand what you're saying, and you and I both look like we're like, hey, we want the demographic to be X because that's that's who we vibe with. He's talking about the other ninety nine percent that don't get what's going on here, or the same people to his point that'll buy a fake Gucci bag and and not care and flex it wherever they go because that's just they're like that's what they're going to do. That's, that's what they, they don't really care about the brand at all. They want to flex. They want to act like they're that individual. And my problem is, is to his point. Now anybody can do that with any of this IP. And if they do it well, they can make a ton of money and there's nothing anybody can do about well, it. Well, let, let me build on that, James, because what I think something Tad is saying, which I think is an important point, because it relates to the general NFT space as a whole is that, Right now, the reason why there is a Board Ape Yacht Club suit against Ryder Rips, it isn't because he's calling them Nazis. It isn't because of, the reason is, is they have it going under a specific law that says consumers can be confused. Birkin bags are going through a similar lawsuit because somebody has a Birkin bag NFT that they're putting out there that is not a real Birkin bag NFT. They already won. They already won. So there you go. See, I'm, I'm not even updated. So there you go. Right? So like they're going through these pieces. I didn't know who they won because I actually knew somebody who was an expert witness in the trial and I didn't realize it was over. Um, but, I, but I think the point is, is that the idea is if a consumer, because people say like, well, Andy Warhol drew, drew, drew soup cans. Well, I'm not going to buy a picture of a soup can and think I'm going to pop it open and eat some Campbell's soup. Similarly, it's like, if these things are so close, because somebody could take all 10,000 moonbirds, call them Jupiter birds, and have the exact same collection with the exact same numbers and tokens, and that could fool consumers coming into the space, and those people are going to get wrecked. And so I think, He's like, that's... Give people ideas, Steve. I know. I was saying it this morning. I'm like, shit. I'm was his this idea this morning. I know. And now we've already seen him popping up since that show. <laughs> but it's like, um, imagine if somebody went and bought their... Like, it's like, if I went and bought... If you went and bought a 15,000 pair of diamond earrings, and then you find out later on their cubic zirconium, you're going to be pissed. And so it's like, that's what a lot of people are going to potentially run into, right? They go to Verify Moonbirds. It's like, oh, you got a Jupiter bird. I thought I was buying the same thing. And I've seen it happen, by the way, to people with these sort of derivatives. So that's one thing. The second thing I think at play here, and again, I, I'm a big analogy guy. So like, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they don't land. going to try to land the plane on this one. But this is one that a, a buddy of mine, Josh, said, which I thought was really, really good. 
where they talked about the actual timeline and how they did it. Like, it was sudden. People felt caught off guard. They felt blindsided. Some people felt rugged. Think about it this way. Like, if you, and this is Josh's analogy, not mine, but if you bought a piece of property on the beach, a house on the beach, uh, and you were got a private beach all to yourself, and then three months after buying it, they said, just kidding, it's a public beach, and you can't do shit about it. That's effective, effectively what happened here and why people, I think, are rubbed the wrong way is that it was a sudden change, and it also kind of opens up a lot of confusion. Um, you know, because I, I personally just think there's, there's a lot of, yes, there are certain people who know the difference, but people coming in have the opportunity to really get wrecked. And I think in the short term, you're going to see a lot of people getting wrecked. Franklin, again, Franklin, I love Franklin. Buddy of mine, we DM, he's in a couple group DMs with me, fine. Franklin was the fourth biggest holder of Moonbirds 2, which got taken out from OpenSea. I promise you Franklin made a bag off those things, but I promise you the people who bought them from him did not. And they're going to get wrecked. And so I think that that's my worry that you have in these pieces. So I do want to I do want to keep rotating through hands as we go, and then, you know, kind of keep moving. I'm going to go to Matthew next. Matthew, go ahead and get in here. Good to, good to see you back. I know you got rugged earlier. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, no, I just wanted to jump in real quick on that analogy, especially when you were talking about Warhol. I think you have to really look at it in that kind of context of what happened, especially with Warhol and how, you know, they don't really know what he had his hands in or he was actually doing versus what his assistants or uh, people that were just in the studio were creating themselves. So part of it is having to go through the provenance. And this is all part of where, what we all need to focus on, especially in like the context of fashion. It really does all render about provenance. Like the Warhol Foundation has to do a shit ton of work to figure out where and who was there when pieces were made because so many pieces aren't necessarily a Warhol, but made by an assistant. So it's looking at this in the same kind of system as, you know, it may not be the original, it might be uh, an alternate or someone might just have copied and pasted it. And you have to be able to look at it as, okay, this may not be the original original, but it might be an inspired by, but how do you then look at the structure and are able to find like the legal jargon to sort of balance that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm going through the same thing actually a little bit right now. So I, I don't know if you know Peter Max. I have a Peter Max hanging in my house. And it turned out that his family towards the end when he was sort of starting to, you know, I, I think, I believe it's dementia he was contracting, were like essentially forging his work. And we're like, well, shit, we love this piece. But like, God, that value is not quite the same if it's essentially there. And again, I would just implore everybody who thinks about this to think about the first time you opened up OpenSea and you probably damn near had a panic attack looking at that, right? You need to know how to how to negotiate that thing. So um, I think it's I think it's worth going into. Let's go. Um, great great point, Matthew. I appreciate that, uh, and I appreciate that actually knowledge. I didn't know that, and that makes me like I I love learning new things. So like today, I can say, look, it's been a long day. I struggled with some website issues writing a story. I did a four hour space this morning. I have still not showered today, nor worked out, but I learned something today. Damn it! So I love that, Matthew. Thank you. Um, Sphinx, let's uh, let's kick down to you, and then uh, and then we'll go back to Goody, and then maybe we'll maybe we'll talk. I, I really want to talk Gucci because I got thoughts. Hi, thanks. Um, what I wanted to say was um, that you know, at the end of the day, I, I can appreciate people who say, you know, I invest in this person's name and this person's reputation precedes them, and this, that, and the other. But to be honest with you, I think that's all bullshit. OK, because somebody you might know somebody, but that person means nothing to me. 
Okay, if I don't know them, right? So, so the thing is, just somebody's fame should not account for credibility, right? So here's the thing: you have to read the terms of sale in these things. No one is doing that. If you had read the terms of sale, they basically tell you: guess what? We get to change anything we want, whenever we want, and you can't do shit about it. So. You, the lesson here, I really do think needs to be number one: you have to read the terms of sale for these projects. Number two: understand this: the bigger the name, the bigger the authority, the bigger the organization that's putting these projects out, the least like, the less likely they're going to be to be amenable to a community opinion. Right? They're going to say, "Uh-uh, there's our terms of service." Okay, and the third is always look for a terms of sale. And if there isn't one for a project, ask them, "Where's your terms of sale?" If they don't know what you're talking about, that should be a clue as well. Because I pulled up this this project's terms of sale, and literally, it basically says addresses the changes that can make. They're not liable at any time. So for any reason, so it's almost like they kind of saw this coming. Um, and I just wanted to say, if there's any lesson learned, please don't listen to people who say, "You know what? So and so is building a great thing in the future. That's nice for you and so and so, but for me, I want to see the facts. I want to look at the terms of sale." I love it's that's really res- I, honestly that's the most adult responsible thing anybody said today, and I appreciate it. And I mean that not as a joke. Like I mean, it's legitimately like the most. It's a responsible thing to say, like. It, it, like that is like the most like like correct way to say DYOR and like know what you are getting into. So I appreciate that perspective a lot. Um, let's run the goodie, then we'll go to uh, then we'll go to making the FOMO, and then we will we will rotate for let's call you know fifteen twenty minutes, half hour, whatever we do on on Gucci because I'm 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 eyeing up some furry slippers. Let's go, goodie. Was good, was good. Um, I mean I'm now looking at the Gucci website too because. I wanted to do some Steve style shopping. Uh, but I've been thinking about another, just like, I guess I call it a cost saving piece of this that I it might be a little conspiracy uh, theory and might be, might get me laughed at, but just something I, I thought about earlier is like project high rise, whatever that is that they got going supposed to be at least i thought like some sort of metaverse game right and video game development metaverse game development specifically is incredibly expensive massively expensive and incredibly time consuming as well uh they want to eventually have i'm sure every single moonbird avatar and oddity avatar in that game in various forms and functions in various capacities etc why not you know make that part of the game development exponentially more inexpensive by just making all of your characters public domain and having you know basically open source development for characters in your project high rise game so to me i was trying to figure out like and and again this might be conspiracy might be far fetched etc i was trying to really think 
why they might be doing this or what the long-term goal is with it. Um, I did, you know, like, like outer lumen said and, and other people, like they could have spent, you know, a bunch of time going after all of these derivatives. I'm sure that they were spending some time and they don't have inexpensive lawyers, you know, (laughs) Kevin K Rose's lawyers is some of the biggest in the game. And, if you're spending, you know, 400 bucks an hour on your cheapest attorney to go submit these takedown notices every single day, like that could add up for sure. But like, I was just trying to think a little bit outside the box too, of like what's coming down the road for them and what could they be looking at long-term to maybe like lengthen their runway. Uh, And if you're think if Project High Rise is the end all be all of what this is leading to, which it they kind of made it seem like that at least when Moonbirds launched, because Project High Rise was like baked into at least like snippets of or, or or teasers of it were baked into the Moonbirds code, into the Moonbirds contract, if I remember correctly. So they they've been planning, you know, the Project High Rise thing for a while. And if you want to make your game development a little bit cheaper. Why not make all of the characters kind of open source development for your community and have, you know, that off your plate to worry about. So, so I, 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 Oh, sorry. Goody, no, go on. No, I, I was I, just going to wrap that up. That's all. I was going to say, I think one that's interesting, but two, like it would make me very sad. I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but it would make, make me sad for two reasons. One, um, they have an opportunity to actually reward their holders and pay them for participation in the game, which would be awesome. And obviously that would be more of a cost versus free, but you know, I think that would be very web three and two, if my Moonbird is some shitty NPC in a game, I'm going to be so salty. Um, speaking of, uh, which I realize also as we're talking about litigation before we wrap, um, the Moonbird talk with making me FOMO, um, uh, a tatted lawyer. I totally forgot this morning for another lawyer. I did play some entrance and exit music. So this is for you. Uh, just call it your delayed exit music. <laughs> Not kidding. I love it. Why is it so clear? Sorry, I had to. I had to do it. I totally missed it. Missed my opportunity earlier, so I had to go back to it. Wait, that was lawyer, amazing sound you. quality for a Twitter space. I, I oh, I have a whole methodology. I host a lot of Twitter spaces uh, for like various brands and stuff, and so I have a whole methodology with a Bluetooth speaker, wired headphones, where I hold it, what I put the volume at, and how I play oh, it. Oh, that's not an iRig. You're not oh. using an iRig. No, no. It's I mean, okay. it's like legit. Like it's just it's a pair of wired Apple headphones because, or I use my Beats. I'll use my Beats a lot of times. It's a special Bluetooth speaker. I play it at a certain volume and hold it directly next to, and it sounds like it is blasting my fucking face off. But it sounds great through the Twitter space. <laughs> No, no, Steve got the, the SVG uh, sound mixers to actually come to his house. I don't believe it just because it's coming from headphones, Steve. You got to, you need, I need pictures. Oh, I, I am so, I, you know what's funny? I would take a picture, but as mentioned earlier, since about 7 a.m. this 7 a.m. this morning, I have been working on this thing and literally have not showered or shaved. Like, I, my family's not near me, probably because I smell. Um, so it's, uh, it's not great. So one day I'll take a picture of my setup and show it, but I've, I've given advice to a few other people on it because I've heard some people and I'm like, I can't hear what music you're playing. So I want it to really, really fucking pump. Um, let's go down to, uh, making me foam, making me foam. I'll let you get back in here. Cause I know you've been super patient and you have some thoughts. 
I do appreciate it. And lawyer, please stay. I might need you um, in a dictionary. No. Uh, so <laughs> I just want to direct this towards Outer real quick. Um, and everyone else, like, yes, we did start as a derivative project. Uh, and I'll get to the point of IPs very quickly. So when Kevin Rose approached us, he didn't ask us to take the project down. He never once said that. Because proving that these images were tied to the IP rights of the originals with them being a derivative and over the course of the whole collection being up to 70% different on average, proving that in court that these were related to the original IP rights would have been fundamentally insane. Um, so he never asked us to take the collection down. He just asked us to change the name, which we very you know, easily complied with. Um, it was never about trying to get uh, you know, take away from the original IP owners, take away from the Moonbird holders. It was about making a project to pay homage to that. Uh, and now we're steering away from, we're trying to steer away from at least being called a derivative because there's so much work being put behind this. Like I said earlier, you know, we're partnering with Rarible. We're actually a product launch partner for a new product they have coming out. Uh, it's funny that you brought up the painter that was brought up because we we have a deal with them that's a two-year deal. Uh, it took a lot to work out. It's not going to be announced for about eight months. But So there's actually paintings from that painter who are going to be fractionalized and put on the blockchain. And our AI versions of the painting are going to be what you purchase to buy uh, you know, fractionalized portions of those paintings. So there's a ton of work that I'm putting in. Uh, you know, I've been a one-man band for a while. Uh, I'm doing my best to provide everything I can for the community. And I don't have the resources or money that Cairo or Justin or anyone else in Proof does. But, you know, people see what I'm doing and see that we're not just another derivative. We're not trying to pump and dump people. This is going to be around long-term. Um, so the IP rates that you uh, are pointing that lovely GAN of yours to um, different canvases because just to clarify it's not that the final product looks like the Moonbirds as it doesn't it's that to create it in the first place you had to use that imagery and so it's not that you stole the paints because that's your your novel AI you made up your paint but you guys stole the canvas that you that, that you needed to actually paint on. And I'm really excited to hear that you're using, it sounds like a, a different kind of canvas from an artist that led us into this. Like, that's amazing. Or if you come up with your own canvas to use your GAN on, sounds amazing. Like, I'm all in for it because I love that kind of art. I really love the medium, especially code as medium. It takes a lot to create that, to train a network, to teach it. Yeah. Like, it's a process. What I was never happy about was scraping the web for those 10,000 images and running it through again. That to me is like, mm, come on, do better. But I'm really excited to hear what you, <laughs> what you guys are doing. So I just wanted to clarify that like, it's not, about, it's not about how it looks, but as somebody who's very, very involved in machine learning and again, I'm, I'm, I know what happened and I'm just like, really? Okay, but, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to hear what you guys, you know, what you guys have coming. And, and so that, that sounds really great. Um. So the IP res, like I said, it, it was never thought about as stealing. It was it was more of an homage, and I get what you're saying. I do, but the so our artist Sergey, um, you know, he trained the neural network. He doesn't just put an image through, and I mean, you can tell in comparison with the other quote unquote AI projects that have come out, which are just push button. They put an image in, click a button, and they get a final result, and that's it. 
like Sergey takes time. Like for each one of these, there was hundreds of different iterations and you know how neural networks work GANs as you call them. So you understand like it's not a push button thing. Like there's artistry to it. It's not, you put an image in, get an image out. That's it. He runs things back through and adjusts things and puts code onto it and everything else. And like you can see in the quality of the art, Five hundred percent. It was never about that. It was about the starting point, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, did Whoa. you see the uh, the banners that everyone who had in AI Nightbird yeah, got dropped? Yeah, those were super cool. Like I said, I'm all for it. It was always the issue with the very starting point of it to point gotcha. to its project. Like, is 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 hype and cloud for you guys to tie yourselves to something that's already like in the space, right? Versus just coming out with like. We put, you know, we made 10,000 of our own AI things because Sergey drew 10,000 images and then he started there. But I'm excited to hear that and with the banners as an example and everything else. But yeah, it's never about what the final product is or the actual um, network that he trained. I think that that's incredible and amazing. It was always about the starting point. Yes, ma'am. And they were both new and still are new to the space. That's why they put me in the position I'm in to kind of navigate the project for them. They never... They never expected, they've been very clear, they never expected it to blow up the way it did. And when Kevin Rose came to us, that was before I was involved with the project, by the way, but I read the messages, like, he was nice. He was just like, hey, can you change the name? Like, that's our name. So they complied. They never once tried to have it taken down, tried to hit us with the DCMA or anything like that. It was simply changing the name because he realized that at the end of the day, even though some people felt, and it wasn't just you, there was other people that felt like we were using their IP rights. At the end of the day, proving that in court with the image being an AI version of it and being up to 70%, you know, different on average throughout the collection would have been insanely difficult. And even with his high powered lawyers, like the one guy said, $400 minimum an hour, it still would have been hard to prove in pursuing court. Um, and we never wanted to, like, it wasn't about, like I said, they were new to the, the space. It wasn't about chasing clout. He just wanted to show what he was capable of. And we've shown more of what we're capable of. And, you know, there's other things coming I can't talk about and, and won't because I don't want to make the space about the AI Nightbirds. It's just about IP rights and CCO and stuff. Could yeah, that no. have been... And the whole of were divided on it, right? Like, they are on this, right? I remember it very, very well. Like, half the people in Discord were like, what the fuck is this? And half were like, yo, you know, this is actually kind of cool. And they were buying them, right? So, again, when you have that division, you know, Kevin and team had to decide which way are they going to go on this. Um, and, again, yeah. the, the issue with the court thing would not have been, at, at, you know, in the final result. They would have had to dig deeper in, in its actual production. But, yeah. And, yes, and similar, and I would even say similar, and I appreciate the perspective, and I appreciate, you know, obviously both y'all – um, very much in this space. And I would say, you know, it's it, it, interesting, you know, point on that is that the way things went about, actually, if the argument you make where Kevin didn't go after you because of the, the IP, but the name is like, what makes it interesting is that if they actually had a doodles model, which was not CCO, but was actually owning complete collection, but giving rights and, and letting you use it pretty liberally, it actually would have been totally within the realm of, of what they do. Like doodles is just pretty good about that sort of stuff. So um, that's what's interesting about them going the opposite direction here. Um, let's throw down to uh, let's throw down to uh, House of Believers. House of Believers, go ahead and, and pop in here. Hi guys, a great space by the way. Like a crazy story with the whole IP thing. Like I'm literally just talk, talking to other communities about it. So it's a massive topic. I know Clubhouse is 
tell me that it was going to be alpha today, so I'm delighted I popped in. Um, it's just quite late over here, so apologies. It's like 11 o'clock over in Ireland. But anyway, uh, my qu- it's more a question I want to put out because this is like blowing my mind. So you see with other projects, how can this be prevented from a legal standpoint? You know, does a project need to be registered as an LLP, for example, would that, uh, you know, um, put less risk involved for holders investing? And I know somebody was talking about, like, obviously read the smart contracts, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, that's all good and well. But if a lot of projects have already been built, if that makes sense, and I don't know what, where, the, where the lines are in relation to changing Smart contracts, once they're already in operation and once a signed seal delivered on this, is like, I don't know, a universal consent or something. Um, and it has to be re-signed again. But yeah, I'm just trying to get some alpha and some understanding of it because this is all quite new. Uh, but yeah, thanks for bringing me up and uh, let me speak there. Matthew, go ahead. I saw your hand fly up at that question. Yeah, I, I kind of just wanted to say that I, I'm pretty sure that... Again, in the context of fashion, I I know this is why a lot of the major companies are resistant to even getting into the space because they're looking at the situation with these IPs that are already within it, that are operating, that have, I'd say, like good traction. But because the space is so volatile and you have situations like this that don't have a legal fundamental and again we're we have to remember this is global so when thinking about how even companies are regionally engaging in these different topics like i know you wanted to bring up gucci and how they're allowing people to do a point in only north america though so it's it's looking at how even regionally the companies are looking at how this can apply for legal standpoints because a lot of what we're talking about with ip in a global context is still within dispute because we don't really have any global answers as much as we just have sort of a a shake of the hand right now as far as what everyone is operating on. No, I I think that's I think that's it. I think it's so much gray area. And and Matthew, I could give you a huge hug because and and Stacky's going to kill me because I'm probably going to sneak out of here after this because my kids are giving me the look right now. Um, and I and I probably got to jump in a second. But I do want to like throw out a thought on Gucci. So this will be me throwing out the bomb in the middle of the room and then everybody can figure out who's going to jump on it. Um, so I guess like the Gucci thing and the Tiffany thing, I'm curious to get opinions on this just from the crew as a whole, because like just pivoting topics to that, like the Tiffany thing, a lot of people were like, you know, what the hell 30 ETH. And, and my take on it was, it makes sense. It's like, yeah, 30 ETH, like it's Tiffany. Um, two, like punks were a logical partner three, like shout out to Yuga because Yuga labs bought crypto punks and they were just about history and sort of tech. And now they're infusing culture into them, right? Like scarcity, Tiffany, you know, making it, you know, making that work for them, making it exclusive an item. Um, I think that puts a premium on it. And on the flip side, like, you know, following for the first time with Gucci and ApeCoin, you know, you talk about, we're not sure what these waters look like. What a play by Gucci to just leg in a little bit, work with a brand that makes sense for them with Bored Apes, right? Like Bored Apes is like a brand that makes sense. And they can say this actually, someone who owns a six-figure picture of a monkey on the internet is probably a target customer for us. And I'm over here like, shit, I've never thought about Gucci before, but those shoes are fire. And that's only 27 ApeCoin. Like I'm like looking at it that way instead of saying like, oh yeah, this is like, you know, this is a, 
astronomical. I don't even remember. It's like a $700 pair of shoes. I don't think I've ever spent more than, I don't know, this is going to probably not be popular in this space, but I don't know if I've spent more than like $75 on a pair of shoes. I shouldn't even say that. Thank God, by the way, that Andy and George from Colton Rain are not in here. They would absolutely, they would have exploded into dust when I said that because they're like sneaker heads, like George displays them, Andy wears them. Either way, my shoe game is terrible. Um, so I've been looking at it and thinking about it recently now because I'm like, you know what? Like, I got this eight coin for free from Bored Apes. I'm trying to put myself in a better way. And I would feel, we talk about fashion being what you feel. I feel so fucking swaggy walking around in those Gucci shoes. Like, I would. Not not the furry slippers that I, I there's some furry slides with actual, like, they look like you're walking around on, like, a Bichon Friche. It's not those. Um, but there is a pair of, like, white ones that have, like, they're almost like the Adidas or Nike Classic Whites with, like, or an Air Force One with, like, you know, Gucci on the side, the stripes. And I'm like, I kind of like those. And I kind of feel like I'd feel, I'd feel good about myself walking around in those. And it's a logical partnership, and it's really cool. So, I mean, I'll toss it over, and I don't know, James, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, so I'll kind yeah. of kick it over to you, and I may sneak out here in a second, yeah, but I, that's I love this. Well, first off, Steve, we, we appreciate you. I think I speak for a majority of the individuals uh, in the space listening in, uh, on the stage. Um, your commentary and, and direction is always incredible, and, and bar none um, tops, so I appreciate you. You know that. Um, first off, I'm imagining you walking around in, in Gucci, uh, Gucci loafers or... or, or um, I'll, I'll pin mine to the top of the ones that I was joking around about. <laughs> um, here's what I found interesting. Tiffany, Gucci, Tag Heuer all just dropped news in the NFT space. They are all LVMH brands. They are all tied to, um, to Yuga. And no one is talking about that. And I think that that's really interesting because... If you look at the Tag Heuer example, it's a board ape on the on the watch. They just dropped the watch for all of you that don't know that allows you to display NFTs. Tiffany announced the news um, with the punks. And, and then um, Gucci is accepting ApeCoin. I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this is very intentional. It's an alignment of LVMH with Yuga, which I, I literally called last week. As I, I was like, I, I have a feeling this is coming. I don't think this is the last. Don't be shocked if we see a Louis Vuitton bag with with Board Ape Yacht Club artwork. Like this is the cascading effect that I thought was going to happen, and I'm here for it. I we need it as a space. I think there's a lot of positives. I'm sure people can come up with negatives, but that's just my thought in terms of let's bring the masses and let's bring good light and good, you know, positive things to the space. Now people are going to say, yeah, but. How is it positive that it's a 30 ETH and, you know, who can afford Gucci? And that's not the point. The point is, is it's bringing people to the space that can definitely afford NFTs. I'll tell you that much um, if, if, if it's part of the LVMH uh, umbrella. So a lot of hands went up when I said that. I know um, Catharsis was uh, uh, was first and then and then Justin's back up. This is this is going to get good here. Um, let's go down to Catharsis first. Let's go. So I'm, I was, I've been waiting for this conversation. Sorry, I love Moonbirds, but I've been hearing people talk about them since the moment I woke up this morning. So this is what I live for right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think this was such a genius play. And I think exactly what you're saying about LVMH, I think they're getting into bed with each other because of the investors that are on the board of, of Yuga now and, and the people that are backing these guys. They're all kind of in bed together. Uh, I also think, I don't know how many people noticed this because of all the Moonbirds and other news that's happened. 
Um, but Coinbase just made an announcement with BlackRock, uh, which I really think is the the driving force behind a lot of this. Um, BlackRock is actually going to be allowing its clients to use Aladdin uh, to trade Bitcoin on Coinbase's platform, uh, which is the if not the biggest signal that we've ever had from uh, large institutions that, you know, adoption is coming and, and it's happening and it's starting to become more allowed. So I think this is all happening kind of at the same time, uh, right when Ethereum and Bitcoin are really low as an entry point and stuff like that. Like it, it, it has this feeling of being very much uh, coinciding. And the fact that the news came out and, and nobody's really talking about Coinbase and, and BlackRock, but that is massive, 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 massive news for this space. And, and behind the scenes, especially, I think companies are going to feel more and more, uh, we'll use the term, they're going to feel more allowed to step into crypto and and kind of thinking about it on a on a more real basis at this point now because of that. So, uh, th yeah, we'll we'll continue the conversation, but I do think that's a huge thing. If if you guys haven't seen that, I'll uh, I'll link that as well at the top here. Um, yeah, please please pin that to the top. I think I think when we hear news like that, I, I it, it gets me excited um, in one sense. I I do feel I'm, I'm hoping. Um, we've seen the bottom. I, I'm sure macro news can always swing things down downward, um, but we need positive things like this to be lined up in order to put ourselves in a position. I, I don't think we see new highs uh, anytime soon, but I do think we start to see the climb, right? The climb that we all saw um, this past year, right? So um, it's it's things like that, though, that put us in the position to be able to have that opportunity, in, in my opinion, anyway. Um, but, uh, Justin, I saw your hand kind of flew up too. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting. Cause I, um, you know, I, I, the thought just came to mind when you all were talking about all these different partnerships and I realized like the further additional layer of genius that they're doing is um, the use of, uh, now you can buy Gucci with ApeCoin, TagCoin with ApeCoin. And remember all the way back when they launched ApeCoin, you could, um, there was an Animoca mobile game that had ApeCoin in it. All of this is establishing utility for ApeCoin, with, which further and further differentiates it from a security. And that is also a brilliant like merger of business meets legal strategy that is also kind of underlying all of this. As far as the price points, I'll say this, like, you know, NFTs literally stand for non-fungible token. They're going to be used for so many different things from, you know, some inexpensive like items, just like cereal box prizes all the way to, you know, real estate deeds. And so, you know, I think... People will have to get used to the fact that there are going to be certain price points of items that fit a different, you know, customer segment, a person in a different part of their career, et cetera. And so, um, but yeah, I think that I just wanted to mention specifically that that uh, utility aspect to it. The interesting thing about the utility part of this is, to my knowledge, and, and anybody can correct me, I, I don't know of another NFT branded coin that has gained as much utility and value to be put into actual commercial use as ApeCoin. In fact, I don't think there is another one. I think it's all been, you know, Shiba Inu and Doge and, and all of these, you know, um, these secondary coins in my mind, uh, people call them shit coins, but I actually, I, I own some of them. But the point being, when you look at a brand in the space, this is the, this sets precedence and it makes me really bullish on ApeCoin. And I actually bought some last week when, when I saw the first news come out. And I was like, I've never been, I, I actually made a point a couple months ago. I'm like, I won't, I won't buy a coin associated with an NFT 
because I don't see the underlying utility and value. They're literally showing us and unfolding all of this before our eyes. Take a look at LVMH brands um, that are under that umbrella. Don't be shocked if it rolls through that ecosystem and that really changes the value for the first time of a coin in this space uh, in, in this way. And um, that's really good for the space. Like that's really, really good for the space. So um, I saw Money Mom popped up and, and your hand. I, I just want to say one of those companies is also Tiffany and Company. And I, would, right. also I would also encourage everyone to please go and read about that. There, are, There is a Forbes article. Um, the owner of that is a French businessman who's I think the third or fourth richest person in the world who has a son. And um, it is very interesting. I encourage everyone to, to become knowledgeable about that. They're also yes. all on the Aura blockchain, like all of the LVMH is going under that purview. So that's a whole other side of it. The, but here, Clubhouse is a punk too, by the way. Um, that, that, that's where I think that that kind of came from. Go ahead, House. And then we're going to kick it down to Money Mom. Uh, it was just, it was just bit basically on your, on your point there about the coins and, having value with an NFT projects, et cetera. It'll be interesting also to find out about, remember Meta? They were doing their own, suppose, like finance within their their ecosystem as well. So wonder how that's going to unfold. Yeah, I have my own opinions on, on Meta that we probably could could sidebar on, but I, I don't see it ha having half the value as, as ApeCoin's going to have. It's like aligning yourself with, um, and we don't know who they're going to align themselves with at this juncture, but they literally went to the very top. There is nobody above LVMH in the food chain. There are people that are are parallel to them, but in luxury, it's it's like a pyramid, and they're they're at the top. Um, and for Board Ape and Yuga being kind of at the top of the NFT Web three pyramid um, to have aligned themselves with that, I I just think that it's going to be great for the ecosystem um, because we kind of needed a coin like that to actually, to Justin's point, finally develop some utility um, in the way that they have. And, and, you know, whether or not it gets adopted um, quickly is not the, is not the point it's getting aligned with in the ways that we need it to be money mom. What's up? Hey guys. So I think accepting shit coins and coins associated with NFT for luxury brands is a horrible idea. Um, I think it's bad for the community. I think it's bad for cryptocurrencies that we take more seriously and we're trying to push. Um, actually, I think it's bad for equity for fashion designers um, who who want to be in this space, who are up and coming and artists. Um, and that's, that's pretty my, much my like input on it. Uh, I think, you know, like, accepting ape coin before you accept like not saying that because i i do believe that gucci and some stores like new york and miami atlanta they do accept bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as payment but like this this is the first like since it's ape coin of course like it's it's like spreading around the community like wildfire like a lot of people going to hear about it it's going to be a lot of articles about it but on the same end like there's not like a bunch of it going around like saying that you know they accept eth and they accept um you know, Bitcoin and stuff like that, like where we're when we're trying to kind of, you know, take hold of like our consumer power, like and, you know, not like try to knock the banks out and like try to, you know, advocate for the smaller brands. To me, like this doesn't really help. And it goes back to like people kind of following like whatever is happening. And I know that's kind of a trend in fashion and stuff like that. Like the the higher brands like tend to like get the more get more attention and they still all the time. 
Like they steal from smaller artists and designers um, all the time. And I think like for me, what Web3 meant like for the arts just in general was a chance for people to have equity and to, you know, have ownership and to like put circulate money back into like our our artist communities and that's you know it, it for me it just kind of goes against that but that could just be me and you know just I, I don't like I'm not like super following all the stories I was just listening and then I came up and, and said something so <laughs> so you want to no, give me hell about money it? Mama. No, that's I appreciate it. that's where her ass always coming hot it, but it's okay look there's Everybody has an opinion on this and we don't, I, everybody should speak their mind. I don't ever want anybody to not speak their mind and especially in, in this space. Uh, that's okay. And, and there's nothing wrong with that opinion. Here's, here's my thing though. I think it's interesting that we could see an influx of new money into the space and new liquidity into the space through this mechanism. I, I can't guarantee it, but I do know that, that, that isn't, that is an opportunity, right? You recognize the threat and we shouldn't discount that, right? There's opportunities and then there's always threats, especially from brands um, that have the power like they do. And by all accounts, a lot of people escaped Web 2 and came to Web 3 possibly to escape brands like that. So I, I recognize that. I'm not going to discount it. Um, and your opinion but is I absolutely like an valid. opportunity for who though? Like, I mean, the rich people can already buy Gucci. They can already buy Louis V like at will, you know, if they can afford that. So who is the opportunity for? And like, as far as onboarding goes, like, even though it is like putting some liquidity there for like rich people, rich people already like they're already onto it. Like we've seen a bunch of celebrities come into the community. We've seen a bunch of them ape in and buy apes and like buy, you know, the blue chips. Like, so like who, wh where is the opportunity really? Like, well, where is that the, helping people? The way that I see it, and then we'll go over to Matthew here in a minute and then, and then kick it around to the hands. <clears throat> the way that I see the opportunity is when new liquidity comes into the space Yes, they can buy those blue chips, but that also means that they can buy some of these smaller projects. Now, do they always do that? No, it just presents the opportunity. So that doesn't mean that that's exactly how it's going to happen. I just know that when new money flows into the space, um, it does provide liquidity around. So if a project does get bought, um, that's a good thing, I think, you know, if, it, if it's not necessarily the blue chip, even if it is the blue chips um, and that provides more money to an individual that then sold off and they turn around uh, and they have been in the space and they buy 10 different um, things that they've been eyeballing. That's kind of the opportunity. So I, I just look at it from a pure capital coming in. Um, I hope they have good intentions. That's, that's all I can. That's all I can hope for. And that's all we can all hope for, I guess. Um Let's kick it over to Matthew, though. Matthew, um, what's going on? I, I love what you're saying, Money Mom. I So I think the real thing, though, is to look at not the brands coming into the space because they're just collaborating. It's the collaborators within the space that we need to be speaking to because they need to change the way that they're operating. It, it's about how if a brand wants to collaborate within the space and wants to collaborate, say, with like Prada or Gucci or whoever, that brand needs to sort of restructure how the operations are because we're talking about thinking of new modalities and how we are operating within this ecosystem. It's about how do we shift the mindset if they want, well, when they want to, because they're obviously doing it and are going to keep doing it. And it's 
you know, it's an important part of the ecosystem. But it's how are those brands that they're collaborating with? How do you sort of utilize them or become that sort of niche pocket that they want to collaborate with so that you can change the ecosystem that they're operating on? Because, you know, what's happening with those companies right now is they're desperate for anyone within the space that holds niche or holds the ability to try something. And they're going to profit off it regardless because they slap their name on something. It's going to do it. Like Mark Jacobs literally made money off of condoms by having a condom that said Mark Jacobs on it. So it's like, it's nothing new to be able to brand anything. Like Virgil did this with yellow canary and how they went about, you know, marketing anything from tape to whatever. So it's about how do we look at the ability for brands to come in and collaborate with these different companies, but how do you also change the way that the companies that are, operating with them, how they relegate the information that they're dispensing, because they're the ones who hold the key right now to how the brands are going to come into the space, because they're the ones on the ground floor having the conversations and really doing the work right now. So it's how do you hold them accountable in this time when the brands are starting to dabble in and say, hey, if you want to operate in this ecosystem, this is how the ecosystem works. And this is how we protect and how we are trying to shift the industry. And if you want to participate in that shift, go for it. But if you don't, then guess what? We're not doing it. So it's a different type of gatekeeping, but in a different way where, you know, you might need to turn down that opportunity if they're not ready to operate on the terms that we're trying to set down as a foundation for a Web3. You know, money changes people. It goes from whack me to I'm going to make it. So I like that's just interesting to me because I've, I've been saying that like even when it comes to like onboarding celebrities and like the fact that um, they should have a little bit more knowledge than like that it's a blue chip and it's a popular NFT. Like they should know how to work their wallet and they should understand the community and like kind of be involved in the community. But that hasn't been a major thing. It's like if, if your favorite celebrity came over here today, the majority of people are going to flock to wherever that is and then that's going to be it. And like the same with the brands. Like, so if your favorite brand came to you and your NFT project, like, are you going, like, it's less likely that you're going to come with terms and conditions for them, like, and, and hold them accountable and like give them some responsibility, then, you know, accept their terms and condition because you think like, this is a great opportunity. So that's just really, that's something I've always thought about Matthew and just thank you. Cause you're always bringing it home for me. So I appreciate it. Uh, it's it really comes down to how we are leveraging our opportunities within the space, because as much as we are operating from this is a new space, we're all young artists in the context of a Web3. It's how you're leveraging. Yeah, you're young, but you're also operating in a space that they want access to. And you need to remember that because they're not operating in it and they wouldn't be asking you to collaborate or to operate with you if they didn't need that access to have some operations. So it's being able to leverage that opportunity and to leverage your asset being whatever your skill set in this space is, whether it's an information share, whether it's a creative, you have to be able to leverage that position to be able to say, hey, guess what? I have the information you need. And if you want to operate and learn, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And it's us as a community sort of setting those fundamentals and being able to have activating conversations where we say, hey, say Gucci wants to come in. If they want to do that, guess what? Do whatever you're going to do, make a profit. But a percentage of that needs to go towards general gas for the entire community or something. Like We need to think on a more global scale of how do we you know, operate on a term where it's not just the companies getting a cash grab because they're all just going to put that back into their investor group. But how do you get them to re-engage and re-put some of that finance back into the creative 
zeitgeist of the space. And it's that kind of innovation on even how we set up the contracts when they want to come in. Yeah, it has to be on that level. And we have to kind of hold them accountable as much, well, hold the brands accountable and not hold <laughs> the brand accountable as much as we're holding the collaborator now because the collaborators hold the key. And you have to be able to say, hey, with your access, you need to be able to shift this perspective and help shift the paradigm as much as, you know, get a buck from them too. If y'all don't know Matthew, now you do and you understand why, why we love him so much. Um, this is this is why I just enjoy this space. I do want to get around to some new hands, though. Um, I saw Mariah. I saw you come off uh, speaker. I wanted to get up to Zoe, but Mariah, go ahead. I just had a quick question for Matthew because I appreciate him and he knows this, but I wanted him and anyone else in the room that is actually passionate about actionable results to help create an equitable ecosystem or what we are creating on the blockchain, I just encourage you all to get into policy and to actually work with and align with some of our political leaders, some of our IP attorneys, some of these individuals that are actually working and building and advocating for the metaverse and how we're going to be implementing this technology because all of what you're saying and all of what we really are sharing should be communicated to our governments so that it is actually included in the policy and in the laws that are going to be implemented moving forward. I just really wanted the room to truly get serious about what we're doing and make sure that if nothing, you're at least in the network of some of these policymakers. Mariah, why are you always trying to put us to work? <laughs> It's like, look, here's the solution. Gotta go to work. Who's signing work, up? Work, 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 work. <laughs> I just felt the task come down, which, no, Mariah, in all seriousness, I appreciate you bringing that up because it needs to be said more. Um, it's that's a tough, that's an uphill battle. You know that we all we all know that that's not easy. So we've got to figure out the right way to do that. Um, and you, we know our government's working on a variety of things that we will find out about in the next year or two, um, a multitude of things that we will not like, um, and some things that we probably will like uh, in terms of security and guardrails. Um, but nevertheless, um, I'm here for it. So however I can help out, um, please let me know if you have ideas. I'm, you know, I think the more that we can have um, that our community leaders do that, the better. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. I know um, Melanie is in the room. She has her hand raised and she actually works really closely with an organization that actually had a chance to be present in some of the political talks um, as some of these policies are being made. So I don't know if she has any insight to share. I won't put her on blast, but I do want the room to know that there are Web3 organizations, grassroots, startups, you know, people that look like us that are aware and that are doing this advocacy work. But if we don't come in numbers and we don't have the support and the data to actually reflect what it is that we're saying, then it's all in vain. So I just really wanted the room to understand how important it is to support voices like Matthew and Mel and Stacky and you Clubhouse Search because if we don't, you know, it's in vain. Well, I think that's Melanie's cue um, to uh, to speak there. Mel, if you want to go ahead, please. Yeah, I mean, 
I still think Mariah is like the policy expert. She's definitely educating me on that more and more <laughs> um, and doing like the, the real in the ground work for that. Um, but I definitely also want to talk about just the role of utility tokens and IP for blue chip projects. Um, I work at pools. We do social tokens. So my day-to-day life is focusing on utility tokens for communities. Um, also kind of saying what the money mom was saying before. Um, yeah, there is the conversation about the rich getting richer. And that's why I'm a big advocate of, you know, how can we find ways for our communities to have their own utility token and create an ecosystem? Like I got into social tokens just as a buyer over a year ago because I can describe it to people as like a black Wall Street. I could say, okay, imagine if our community, this organization had our own, you know, token and when people make an asset and someone has an event, we can pour each each other that way. So I totally understand um, the idea of like, okay, people have pongs, people have apes and buying Gucci (laughs) that doesn't always align. But at the same time, um, I, I am an advocate of what's happening. Like I understand on this side, but also I'm an advocate because the idea is um, when there are these airdrops and we're having conversations about are these ERC20 tokens securities or not, um, I love any use case, like any time that is proving that this is something tied to the overall ecosystem. I love every opportunity that shows that um, there's major household name brands, especially LVMH, that wants to partner with Web3 um, platforms. And I just wrote a blog post that came out today. Board A, CryptoPunks, those are both billion dollar milk, uh, market cap each. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, I that inspires me. It makes me think, okay, if there's 10 photos of, you know, crypto pongs or apes, um, I believe that there's communities that we can create that can have a billion dollar market cap one day that will want to partner with LVMH brands the same way that people want to do with a PFP project. Yeah, I mean that that makes a lot of sense. I got it. Where did you post this? Can you pin it up to the top? I would love to. Hey, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna tell me that twice. No, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm just it. I in my head, I connect all of above. I think the conversation about board apes and ApeCoin, my man, I connect that directly to the conversation about the CCOs and Moonbirds and what they can do with licensing deals and. You know, and I think that directly ties to creators and communities in Web3 and the ones who will be in Web3 in the future and ways that we can like try to find ways to empower them using Web3 tools. So I'll pin that to the top, but I'm super sad about this conversation. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, I look forward to reading that because it sounds like it's it's going to be in line with a lot of things that not only we've discussed, but um, kind of the viewpoints that I hold personally. So um sounds like it's going to be an insightful uh, read. So please pin that up to the top. Um, Zoe, you've been patient. And I see Salola and Vinny uh, or Vinay. Um, Zoe, let's let's kick it over to you first. You've been very patient. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I almost forget what I was going to say because I was so entranced listening. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about what Mel was saying. Um, but I think I came up with the money mom was speaking um, also on the topic of like the coin and if it's good for the ecosystem often like having an NFT coin, which I actually think it is because for me, it feels like a coin for the culture. 
of NFTs, I guess. So I, I think that's actually a good thing. But I was also thinking about when you said um, the rich people, right? Like the rich people who can already afford in certain things. Um, I think also that's why there was a lot of critic on the um, 38 of Tiffany's, which you guys were talking about before. And I actually agree that that should be the price because normally it would be the price. So why not? Um, why not here in Web3? But then I was also thinking, who are those rich people? Because I know a lot of people who couldn't afford certain things last year that can afford it this year. Those people then also belong to the rich people if we're going to think about people who can afford um, certain prices. And I think with everything, um, with every, like, how do you say, economic crisis also, and then where, if you ask me, in like an, a digital renaissance and then having, um, 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 sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. But uh, all those things playing, like like the gold rush, digital renaissance, the crash that's happening right now, that also as per people a certain um, mentality, like people need to learn now actually how to manage money because you're going to see that the people who are in the middle, um, either they, they got lucky being in the middle and during these crises, they, they will do bad and then there's a portion of those people in the middle who actually knows how money work and how crisis work and um, financial crisis and they will do better. So I think there's also a lot of opportunity and that's what's actually going to be my point that we also need to look at it from that side, like the opportunity that are happening right now, uh, opportunities. And when you guys were talking about then brands coming in and then thinking about, yeah, but what about the smaller brands that are new um and i see myself as one of the smaller brands that is super new like i'm just a year old so and and when i was thinking about it i was because i was happy really happy about um all these big companies this, the news that happened this week because i just saw news passing by i was like oh my god they're all linked like clubhouse like you were saying like james why aren't people talking about how they're all linked it's all happening at the same time and that was actually wonderful because it means like also a lot of people are getting onboarded. So as someone in fashion, that is good news because there's more eyes on fashion that way. And then hearing the comparison, like, yeah, but um, what if Louis Vuitton comes with a bag that has a bordet on it, right? That would be something amazing. I was like, oh my God, I haven't even thought about that as a smaller brand. I was like, oh, so a big brand could eat a small brand like me up. But here's the thing. I don't think it really works like that. I think I, for me, it circles back to the opportunity part. And what we saw in Web2, the same you're going to have right now is like, if you're early and you're good of high quality, you will make it, right? Because you now you have to go up against these bigger brands. So I, it comes also now down to quality, which is a good thing, I think, which is great because we've been asking for that in this space so yes it's gonna be hard for smaller brands but it goes in every industry because in a gaming is the same like how many of these projects want to bring out a game and then now you have big bigger companies coming in so it's in every industry and i guess it brings up the value i think of of this um community like of what we're doing here so i think it's still really exciting that they're coming in but yes smaller brands now need to be more um, more driven. They need the higher quality. They need to take it now 
more seriously and it goes for everyone in this space it goes for everyone so i wanted to uh say that and then to the coin yeah um i don't know much yet what's happening um so i'm gonna listen to what everyone else has to say Zoe, you're like my spirit animal sometimes on, on some of this stuff um, because you, you hit some of the points that I, that I wanted to make before in terms of that's why I see the opportunity. Look, the opportunity in, in our, our game, right? We're, we're in fashion and apparel, and that's just what we've, what we've known operates from this top down, right, from this pyramid um, where everyone wants to have an affinity to what's going on there. So therefore... Um, everyone is kind of drawn to the trends that they create and that's better for fashion and apparel. I think we kind of need that in the NFT space as well um, because there is that, I hate using the word trickle down effect, but there is that effect um, that creates opportunities. And that's kind of what I meant when I said that. So I wasn't, I was coming from the way that you just articulated it and you did it in a much better way than I did. So I do appreciate that. Um, I do want to go to Sulola um, and then we have, um, there's Sphinx and Vinay and, and Justin just threw his hands up um, as well. So Lola, go ahead. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, appreciate that Stacky and Clubhouse archives. Um, so great to have this conversation with you all. I've really been loving the different perspectives. I really um, particularly enjoyed the money mom and what you had to say in um, from an artist perspective, because I'm a collector and so I'm, I'm, I just love the artist and their views. And I, I, I see the way that, um, I definitely see your, see where you're coming from and that when we are growing web three, it's so important that we do it in a way that it's, um, when we think about the, the artists, the, the, the brands, the people, the designers, like the, the people who are on the ground floor building and, and creating new Web3 art and designs and not to let that be overshadowed by the larger brands that have a lot more resources. Um, and, 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 you know, at the same time, I'm, I, I'm, as I'm a collector, I'm also uh, own a couple of board apes. So, and, and was, um, fortunate enough to receive the ape coin drop. And so from my perspective, you know, I'm not coming from a rich background myself. I, I find it so exciting to see large brands coming into the space like Gucci and wanting to take my ape coin where I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of time. I was one of those people who never sold their ape coin. So I saw my ape coin go all the way up to almost, <laughs> half a million and didn't sell um and because i just have that much conviction and so it's it's really cool to see you know i, I think there there were times when i saw it just drop lower and lower and lower <laughs> and lower where i i think a, a couple of apes you know we did have some thoughts like okay well we have really have a lot of strong conviction for the brand for for the brand and to see um a, another large brand like LVMH come in to the Web3 community and give validity to, you know, what we all as the Web3 community have been building all this time. It's really, it's really nice to see that, um, that, that these large brands are coming in. And that's just because, um, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's great as a collector, um, but also to see um, the fact that 
it's going to educate people and bring more liquidity into the NFT space. And so that really excites me that we've had a bear market, especially in a bear market. I think we want, we all, we, you know, you know, who all of us who believe in crypto, who really want to see the advancement of NFTs. Um, we all want to see more liquidity in the market. And I hope that what we'll see is um, more people who are into super rare items um, and collectibles and who shop at Tiffany's and LVMH come in and then look at Web3 native brands, brands like Zoe's, for example, Web3 native fashion brand, fa fashion tech brand that I'm so excited about. Like I'm buying several <laughs> and um, those are the types of projects that we definitely want to see. Um, more visibility on and what i hope to see is that we get, come together as a community and when we and lift up the zoe's what lift up the web three, um this the stackies the web three native um fashion brands brands of all verticals because at, at the end of the day it, it is community that's gonna win like we would not exist if it wasn't for community and coming together that's that's the only reason why um we're all here today so so, so I, I'm not threatened at all by the fact that um, LVMH is coming in. I think so, it's 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 a natural human response to be like kind of curious of like what are they going to do? Are they good for this space? I don't think it's a, it's a threat whatsoever because while we're growing and we're having these spaces, we're having these community meetings. They're um, they're not really driving the culture like there it's i think marketing we see marketing geniuses we see how goblins work we saw how organic board apes grew it was completely organic nobody thought it was going to get this big or knew it would get this big so when it's organic and it's community driven it's gonna win that's really my conviction and that's why i believe in web3 and um so i i think that um it's gonna be um a positive um liquidity event for for the board apes, but thanks, thanks for um, for hearing me out. <laughs> no, thank you. Can I can I add on a rebuttal? Sure, like, because I want to respond to Zoe and uh, Sulola. Is that how you say it, girl? Uh, thank you, Th thank you for complimenting the artists and like giving that that big ups. And thank you for being a collector, you know, of you know whatever NFT, because that just shows you support the community as a whole. So I I appreciate you guys, like, and you know Zoe as an artist, um, and the designer. Uh, so. When I say that though that type of NFT, I mean token like purchasing power is bad for the community, um, I mean it in like the like in the sense of equity, okay? Like you held on to your ape coin because you had conviction in it and like it gives you like like I, I don't know how ape coin works, but most coins that are connected to NFTs um are usually a part of a DAO and it's a part of like a governance system and it gives you some pool like within the the NFT community or the company or you know the project whatever you want to call it and so when when you're selling that like when you're exchanging your your ape coin or you know whatever coin for Louis V like what are they doing with it 
Like, then does that give Louis V like a, a bigger uh, holding power, like to your project? Like, so just thinking about like, what is really going on here? Like, what, what are they really doing? And then also thinking about the fact that if we want crypto to be like a universal thing, like my idea is, okay, Bitcoin, um, just an example, I'm not Bitcoin maxi or anything like that. Like, I do believe in other cryptocurrencies. But like, I just use that for example, like if we want Bitcoin to be used on a universal scale, that means that like big brands and like stores and the community as a whole, like besides buying Bitcoin and holding it, we have to use it like you have to utilize it. Like so if if it's only like the purchasing power for it and the people who can afford it and the people who can trade it like are of a certain income bracket, like what does that mean for everybody else? Like what does that mean for, you know, the community as a whole and like um like how we transact? Right. Like because Web3 to me is not it's not anything it's an upgrade from web two it's not like a separate thing from web two web two there wouldn't be a web three without a web two right like they're they're connected like so it's not you know it's not a separate thing it's just different technology and a different way to transact and you know um that's really important and i i think that um back to what matthew said just holding holding these companies accountable in the, the way in which they come into the community so in my mind it would have been good for these brands to come in if they were like um what do you call it like a social type of reward right like i we have a deal with louis vuitton and like all of our holders like or okay for instance tiffany instead of being having to like buy that um the necklace and exchange like you know some of your your coin for that or anything else like maybe we collaborate with them we we break them off a piece at the top and then our collectors get something from it right like to me that is a collaboration that makes sense but like saying like oh we accept this coin now it, it it's like almost like bamboozled like in the, in a sense like and when you think about like what your token is actually doing in the community and like what type of equity you have with that so i just wanted to clarify that I'm I'm not saying, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, the, the tokens don't have a place and like we shouldn't be collaborating in any type of way, but like the way in which we do it. Right. Um, and, and then back to what Matthew was saying about the accountability and like how we hold um, these companies accountable and how we're like um, collaborating with them and like what our terms are like as creators and artists and as a community and as like people who believe in crypto. Right. Like it's uh, they're already in the lead like right now, like with uh, when it comes to funds, when it comes to being able to um influence people like all of these things and like what do we have like besides web3 and like the knowledge that we have and like what um you know the fact that they can't like infiltrate like completely like without like um at least collaborating with the community so i i just wanted to cl clarify that because i don't want to like any confusion like i'm just shitting on i usually have the varying opinion but i'm not like just totally shitting on the the fact of like using the tokens or having utility but it's just like really think about like what type of utility that it, it has like outside of like it being your equity in that community no but that's adaptation right can i just say that's adaptation though this is this is not really collaboration or am I wrong? Like it's, it's a collaborating, but it's adaptation of the coin, I think. Yeah. I mean, right. Like, but I if, if we can't use ApeCoin in a grocery store, like what, what point would it be to use it for, for Louis Vuitton in my so opinion? Like, 
I can address this a little bit. So first of Actually, all, Actually, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. Can I please go? Because I wanted to address that and I've been waiting a while. Okay, sure. Time. Go ahead. Yeah, but let's finish thank, going. Up to Justin. Thank, thank you so much, Justin. Thank you, Clavis. I wanted to just say, um, I'm like fully, fully in agreement with my mom here. Let me just say things. There are two issues here. Let us not uh, conflate the two here. This is not about a small uh, Web3 based creator being threatened by a big luxury brand. Nobody's saying you're threatened and nobody needs to say they're not threatened. It's not about that. There's a lot of talent in this space. There's a lot of talent that has not been around for years and years and we love that. We support that amongst our community. However, read the read the article that I posted, the Forbes article that I posted. It gets to it gets to the goo goo gaga oh my god louis vuitton and tiffany came into the space so you know what they're going to provide liquidity the only thing i'm saying here is a plot make them go through the same standards apply the same standards to them that you would to any regular person any nft project because i'm telling you fame does not buy you credibility. And I will say this until I have no voice left. And if it annoys you, it's because you don't get it, okay? Fame does not buy you credibility. Now, the fact that this guy's son has been accused of insider trading, allegedly, I wanna say, does that mean, does that, mean that we look down on all big brands coming in? No, it doesn't. But it, what it does mean is we have to look at these entrants into our space, our community. We have to look at them with a careful eye and we have to evaluate them and see who they are. What are they bringing? What are they, how are they going to affect our community? When we say they bring liquidity to the space, I don't have any problem with having these little niche um, projects with if you own a crypto punk and then you can get a Tiffany necklace. But if every single thing is going to be like that, where's the liquidity if you need to own something to own something else, to buy something else? You need to look at things with a careful eye and you need to look at people's histories and who is behind these. Please read the article, the Forbes article above. It should appall you. And the reason I say that is because Salula said something who I love, said something about, you know, um, it, it shouldn't steer the culture. And I really agree with that. It shouldn't. And the way it shouldn't is we're not going to shun every brand who wants to come in, but... We have to do our due diligence as well. We have to know this this homeboy's son, the son of the owner of this thing, did some shady shit. You, we have to know. We have to look out. We have to not permit that to take over the culture because the amount of capital that these organizations can bring with them can very well steer the culture. It can. It can absolutely steer it. So we have to be cognizant of that. Thank you. And and I don't I don't discount that at all, Sphinx. And you're 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 absolutely correct in terms of taking each by case by case basis, right? And I and look, I said I didn't disagree with the price point uh, that Tiffany came in on. I didn't speak to the token gated aspect of it in terms of like having to be a holder. That I I I'm indifferent about and don't necessarily agree with. 
um, as a pot as a net positive to the space, right? The other ones, though, um, are are yet to be seen. So, l- like you said, um, scrutiny at a case by case basis is definitely. Um, I don't think anybody would argue that from a community perspective. Um, and and look, yeah, the owner's son. I, I can't speak to that. I can't. I, I don't ever speak about things that I don't personally know. Um, so I'm going to read up on that. Um, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm going to read up on it. That's all I can. That's all I can say on that. What I do want to do though is <laughs> yeah, go, that, go that, ahead, and that's me. that. Just one thing I want to say, and that is all any of us can do is is to you know become more knowledgeable about this stuff, right? And and I understand that. Um, and and really, it it just the other final thing I want to say on that is when people come with these big bags, like literally, like Louis Vuitton, pardon the pun, coming in with big bags, you know. You kind of need to give them a little bit more scrutiny because they will have that playing power. They will have it. So you also need to understand they know what they're doing. They have advisors. These are these people are not going to be making. Oh my god! I didn't realize I didn't run it through the generator again. Oh god! I didn't dot the i. That is not the case here. These people know what they're doing. They are getting advice from the best people. Okay. So I've worked with some of them. They're very smart people, so they need to be scrutinized, and we have to do our due diligence. Thanks. And and I appreciate you once again. And and look, you're not you're not saying anything that I think anybody would 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 look at incorrectly and say she's you're, you're speaking out of place. So I, I want you to to understand that I say that with sincerity when I say I appreciate the um, the comments on that, and and I hope you didn't misconstrue kind of what I meant. Um, I just think liquidity overall is great. Sure, there should be scrutiny with that, and, and I would hope that um, that we apply that. I do want to say this though. Um, uh, I know Stacky's got some things to do. I, I've definitely got to get with my my wife and son before I um I head out to Chicago in the morning. You're already so, in enough trouble. You better get on. I know, I know. So, but I'm going to finish with the hands because I always like I don't like to have people. Stacky, how dare you eat dinner? <laughs> um, Vinay, let's go to you. We're going to go to Justin Melkin and end with Kate. Vinay, what's going on? Okay, so um, uh, I am uh, kind of an old-timer in the space. Uh, I was part of the Ethereum Foundation 2014, uh, ran the Ethereum launch 2015. Um, and, you know, the angle here that I really want to talk about is, you know, what we can actually do in terms of solving some of the logistical problems and some of the legal problems that designers actually face, uh, getting physical clothing to market. Uh, I just want to say here, Kate is one of my colleagues. Um, so the real benefit that we see of putting NFTs into this environment is you can show designs, you know, 3D renderings, you know, uh, single garments that are made and showed with a model wearing them in a video, this kind of stuff. Um, release NFTs. Each one of the NFTs gives you the right to one of the physical garments in, say, three months, six months, however it's going to take for the production to get done. And then you can literally sell out the collection as virtual objects. And then six months later, when the clothes are actually physically manufactured, you can then you know, deliver those to whoever happens to be holding the NFT at that point. And 
the change that that makes is that as long as you sell these NFTs initially at a realistic price point, this covers the capital required for the production, and it ensures that you never make a single garment that hasn't already been sold. There's no manufacturing at your own risk because you've already you've already taken the money for the manufacturing at that point. So I think that these kind of changes in the space, it doesn't just have to be on the marketing side. It could be on the finance side, on the logistics side, on the legal side. That's the first thing I wanted to say. Um, the second thing I wanted to say is about the whole um, question of, uh, you know, the kind of, how do I say this, the sort of tension between the large brands um, coming into the NFT space. And, you know, here you got to go back even further in time. You've got to go back and take a look at what happened when Web2 was the brand new thing. And, you know, there was a whole kind of, you know, cottage industry, internet counterculture thing in the mid-1990s. And then you got the arrival of the big brands and you got the sort of what many perceived at the time to be a kind of gentrification of the space. Um, it's always a tension between the people that think that they're outsiders and the people that realize that the price of going mainstream is that you get very, very culturally diluted by the new people coming in. And, you know, that dialogue, I think that has been always the case with any kind of profound social innovation. You always wind up with, you know, a deep tension between the folks that have been there for a while uh, and the mainstream as it arrives. And, you know, that is a very, very assertive grinding point where there's everything to play for. You know, if you could get on top of that, you know, you wind up changing the mainstream way more than they wind up changing you. But if you don't, you wind up getting rolled over by them, and we've seen that happen, right? You win some, you lose some. I, uh, I'm first off, uh, your your assessment of why individuals like myself and Zoe and and Catharsis and some of the other um, people that are in the fashion space was literally dead on. Um, it's what we saw as the opportunity. It's exactly how we operate. We'd like to see quicker turn right as technology develops we're, we're counting on that um but that is the model so um i love the fact that you nailed that dead on um your second point is also as astute um and very poignant to the conversation um in terms of the way that you view like if you took a look at the internet as a technology it went through the same exact thing it was slower adopted didn't have i think as much um as as much lore i think as web3 does because of the technology um so i think the opportunity is greater now for companies to roll like you said um however what i've noticed in the community of web3 um when you think about individuals like the the passion that sphinx just had that's a pretty ubiquitous um kind of thought process it's i don't think it's going to be as easy um for brands to come in and roll in in this environment um, to, to your point, if you get out ahead of it, which I feel like Web3 has actually done a better job than, than when the internet first came out of, of doing that. Um, I, I think this could be, I think it could be interesting um, in, in the balance that's created. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think also we underestimate the flexibility of the nation states. Um, so uh, I dropped a link in the chat earlier on, uh, which is a, a 550 page document just released by the UK Law Commission. So the, the UK Law Commission is kind of like the UK legal system's internal think tank for drafting new law. And, you know, they're pretty seriously looking at turning digital assets into a very well understood 
class of property, not just saying, hey, everything that walks, talks, or squeaks is a security, but actually saying, okay, this digital property is property, and then attempting to establish rules of property in the digital domain. So, you know, I don't think it's quite as simple as sort of like, you know, we bold, plucky, you know, vanguard being kind of picked off by, you know, bad law in dumb jurisdictions. I think that we're now at the sort of magic turning point where the smart jurisdictions are beginning to take it seriously. And then it becomes a question of not just surfing technological change and cultural change, but legal change. Um, I mean, I've been, uh, you know, what I've been doing for the last five years is building the machinery for making it possible to transfer a legal app ownership of things like houses, cars, uh, gold bullion, you know, fine art, Stradivarius violins, all these kind of asset classes, so that when you buy the NFT of the thing, you actually get legal ownership of the object, the object's in a vault, you know, this thing's kind of like a vault receipt. We've been doing that live for about a year for customers, and, you know, that process, you go back five years, there was no legal system support for this at all. This year, um, a guy called Sir Geoffrey Voss, who is the most senior civil judge in the UK, the head of the civil legal system in the UK, gave one of the most bullish imaginable speeches about the future of crypto as an essential part of global trade, uh, and then had a, you know something like eight startups then present after that the work that they were doing, and I was the first of those startups to present. Um, you know, that's sort of unthinkable in the US where you're dealing with a really, really, really kind of creepy and vicious thing in the form of the SEC, but that's not the way that it is in all countries. And I think that you're going to be surprised at how much the European experience and the American experience diverge as the Europeans get their act together and get this kind of legislation passed. Yeah, I'm 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 absolutely in, intrigued by by what ends up being legislation and what what's not. And I'm really curious how the SEC is going to once the SEC finally rules in, in one way or the other, I think it's going to have ripple effects, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see how all, all nations, right, not just the UK and, and the United States, but all nations rule on this, because I think they'll be different, um, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be like copyright. There'll be a whole bunch of local stuff, you know, that will bounce around, and then you'll get kind of international treaties, and people will harmonize their legislation, and ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. Um, you know, it, it's a long, slow, messy process. Well, I do appreciate you you coming through. Um, like I said, I, I do want to get around to the rest of the hands, and we're going to end with Kate, um, and to wind it down, so Kate's going to have the last thought. Um, we're going to go with with Melkin, then Justin, and then and then Kate. So, Melkin, what's going on? Hey, Melanie here. Um, thank you. For sorry, no, Me Melanie. Sorry. Oh no, it, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, my name is Melanie, like your knee. Um, so yeah, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be brief. Um, I really love the conversations we had, and it made me think of a point that I don't think anyone said yet. Um, similar to when ENS, if people in here were lucky enough to get the ENS airdrop, for those who haven't been in the space as long, us with the dot ETH. Um, URL or whatever you want to call it, um, NFT, we all received an airdrop of ENS. There was a, a DAO and there were delegates. And I'm mentioning this because um, I remember like the point when like Coinbase was up against other members of the community. And now when it comes to Gucci and tagging other brands, except in ApeCoin, and there's been, I think, I think in the article I said it's been like 12 proposals um, for ApeDAO so far. Um, I'm curious if, you know, Louis Vuitton or L L L LVMH or Gucci or whatever it might be, are they collecting all these ape coins for voting power? 
you know, well, there'll be, you know, some type of a delicate, um, delegate system. So I just wanted to add that point because um, every time that we do spend this currency that we might have held or buy back into the ecosystem, often that is voting power if they do have proposals. And I'm really intrigued that um, is LVMH really thinking about the future of the Board Ape Yacht Club ecosystem and saying, hey, yeah, buy some slippers, you know, buy a jacket um, with ApeCoin so we can have a lot of voting power when the time is right, um, way more than a person like Franklin who owns a bunch of apes. So I just want to add that point in there because I think we kind of forget that when we use ape, when we use any currency, we're taking away voting power for good or for bad. Really interesting point. Um, and I think next week we should probably dive into that a bit um, because that raises, um, and Justin had to drop down, it looks like, it raises a really interesting question. Um, I don't know if, if, if ApeCoin is a governance token um, at all. And if it is, then... It, it is, yeah. There's okay. been about like 13 proposals from God. like the from like the board ape gazette which is like a publication that a member of the community has made that we basically just gave them 150 um, k 150k usd to other things so it's been we've been several proposals we voted several times and i'm out of our tokens you know our way to votes well i bought a bunch of ape coin last week and i didn't i didn't realize it was it had a governance value um which is really interesting that the point you raise, I think we should probably dive into that next week um, to, because it's that, that changes a little bit of my, um, my perception, I think. Um, Can I quickly say, I yeah. actually also hold um, ApeCoin and I was actually also thinking about that Mel. And I was like, I feel like almost the smartest play and please, this is not advice. Don't do this. I feel like almost the smartest play is like, don't use your ApeCoin. Like if you would have Bitcoin at really low and you would have just hold on or Ethereum and you would have just hold on, it would have been a smart play. So I also think about it that way. And, yeah. and, and a quick little aside, I, I, I want to admit that um, the artist Fuck Render, when there was the SOS drop, for those of you who have been here for several drops, he launched a project that accepted SOS. And I just want to do this huge reminder. Like you don't have to be Gucci you don't have to be, you know, um, Tiffany's, these brands. Um, there's a lot of ways to accept these different cryptocurrencies. Like, you might have to talk directly to the team, but, like, that's the big thing about Web3. So, like, keep that in mind. Like, it's not exclusive to these brands. Um, it's not exclusive to these, like, influencer artists. Um, if you know someone in the community who's already made their token with pools, coin buys, rally, roll, whatever, um, this is an opportunity to like pour into their ecosystem too. Well, like I said, I, you've got my mind reeling a little bit now um, on some things that next week will probably be uh, a spicy conversation. Um, and definitely need to talk to Ella about a couple of things on that, that you got it. You got it. The wheels turning. Um, Kate, you're going to close this out uh, with, with some thoughts and I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I will kick it over to Stacky to, to do the final close up, but last thoughts from you, Kate, what, what's going on first up? How are you? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Clubhouse. Thanks, um, Melanie, Zoe, Matthew, Sulu, uh, literally Sphinx. We've had some really great questions today. Um, and I actually kind of jumped in about an hour ago 
um, when you were all talking about, um, you know, the safety and the legal side. And, and I'm just hearing a group of people that really, really want to see brands being accountable, being held accountable. We want to see artists being protected. We want to see, um, you know, right, righteousness being um, held here, um, held accountable. That's trust. Those are the buzzwords that I was picking up from the conversation. And so, yeah, I just brought Vinny in here because I'm really excited about the work um, that we've been doing in this space. So I just want you to know there are brands out there that care about um, holding NFTs um, accountable. And if you want to go over, um, maybe tomorrow, I'm going to be going to bed in a minute, but you know, whenever you have some time, do go over and check over the work that Materium's doing. We are turning um, physical assets uh, into NFTs with digital passports. So this is not just for big brands, as Melanie, you were saying, this is for anyone that has a, a physical asset and wants to have legal rights that actually protect them from getting stolen or from fraud. This is your time. This is the moment. It's it's happening. It's live. So if you want to get involved in that and you want to get protected, um, then shoot over and, and we'd love to talk more. So yeah, have a wonderful evening and thank you Clubhouse. And I look forward to talking more about um, legals and protecting our community uh, in the future. No, thank you, uh, Kate. And, and I know you brought the up, so, so thank you for that as well. I'm really insightful from both of you. Um, definitely a lot to talk about next week and especially what Mel just brought up. Um, so I'm going to kick it back over to Stacky. First off, I'm going to say um, I appreciate everyone's time. It, it's Friday. Um, you didn't have to spend it with us, but you did. Um, and I understand that that time is valuable. Everyone has families and things going on outside of Web3 and, and outside of Twitter spaces. So um, sincerest appreciation. I will say that, um, you know, we do this. We, we host this space because we want to drive conversations. We want to we want to um, really create um, a sense of community around things that need to be talked about. So for us, this is extremely valuable to be able to bring everyone together and do this. Um, definitely check out everybody who's up on stage and, and what they're doing. Um, check out Zoe and, and Kate and Catharsis and Matthew and Vinay and Mel, uh, Mel and Sphinx and Salola and everyone and Stacky included. She's, I haven't, uh, I, I, I told Stacky the other day, she's like the Holy Ghost. She's everywhere. I literally went into spaces all day and, and she was there. And it was just, it blew my mind. Um, uh, definitely check out what we're doing at Clubhouse Archives. We've actually created a digital um, asset linked to a physical good, just like you uh, and Vinay were, were mentioning, Kate. Um, we are minting, and, and this is going to be a long process because like Zoe and like others, we're building brand. We're actually building a business on the blockchain as opposed to, um, I think, some of the things that we've gotten used to in the past. Um, but I'm going to kick it over to Stacky. Stacky, you, you're one of the hardest working hosts I know in the space and just wanted to send uh, flowers your way in appreciation. Uh, but I'll let you close it out. Oh, stop. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> no, but uh, thank you, everybody, for coming. This is Fashion Friday, believe it or not, even though we talked a bunch about CCO in the beginning. But I feel like everybody should should know about these things. And, you know, also one thing I want to highlight in this space, this space really reflected how our community looks. It was a lot of it was a very, very diverse panel. We had a lot of people from different backgrounds. Uh, up here and a lot of people with I mean opposing opinions but that's okay because we can have a discussion right we're people we're good people we're intelligent people so we can have an actual discussion isn't that something we don't have to yell at each other to make a point but um, I really do appreciate everybody for coming uh, we have Fashion Fridays every Friday 5 p.m. we've been here for three hours oh goodness Eastern Standard Time but um, yeah so go ahead and check out some of the links above 
I did want Zoe to go ahead and talk about uh, Steckle real quick. <laughs> yeah, I put you on blast because I do feel like that you should uh, talk about your brand a little bit before we go and then we can wrap it up. Oh, no, no. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Oh. Yes. I'm serious. Like, no, I've okay. been doing that. The... Okay. The only Deco, thing I'm going to say. I mean, Zoe, I just want to interject. Like, yes, yes, yes. Because this is the project I'm like most excited about right now. So you can't do that uh, to us. Okay. Love you. Uh, I love you, Saloa. And oh my God, I need you to become like this big, famous Hollywood superstar. When I met you, I was like, oh uh, my God, <laughs> I need you in my life. Um, um. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is that I've just been working um, the whole week on it. Um, I'm not really going to talk about the brand uh, itself because the interesting thing, what I was hearing tonight about how it went with Moonbird and stuff, I was like, oh, that's interesting because in my case, I'm also switching things up, but uh, for the better because I was already really small, right? So I think this whole week, um, I've been only focusing on just getting some stuff together it sounds smaller than it is um i'm actually focusing on getting fucking two million no um so that is actually true so that's what i've been focusing on and i think to be able to do that things just need to be really high quality and um so i've been on a lot of phone calls with different people <laughs> it's it has been so much but it has been really really good so um, just getting the best people together and, and just getting the whole picture together in a digital way, but also um, physical. Um, so, yeah, so I've been just building, actually. The beer market is to build, and I've been just doing that. Um, and it's been super excited. I'm, I am really excited. And I love that um, Clubhouse, what you were saying, James, about those big brands, because that got me thinking, that got me like, okay, bitch, you really need to be on your game. <laughs> like, you cannot lag. Like, um, and the exciting part is, I don't know who was mentioning it before. I think it was, oh God, I don't know, I know. It was about the um, resources that, that brands have, which is something that's absolutely true. I'm going to try to keep this shirt, which is something that's absolutely true. And I think there was a lot of, um, funds that people could um, like how do you say um, like apply for ask for and I hope that a lot of people took it seriously and and are taking it seriously and doing those kind of things because to be able to have a high quality product I also think you need to be realistic about how you fund it and I think a lot of people um, in this community um, that our artists need to think more as maybe brands or entrepreneurs um, and just um, see what they can build and how big they can build. So I think this is a super exciting time with a lot of opportunities. And personally, I've been just um, giving it everything to make sure I take those opportunities. So I'm really excited. And I don't want to talk about like the brand in depth because it's just the thing I do the whole freaking day. And now it's Friday night, 2 a.m. And I just wanted to chill. So, But thank you. Thank you, Stacky. Thank you. Zoe, can you answer three questions? Can you answer what is your project? <laughs> how big is the collection? And what is the price that someone wants to buy it on OpenSea? What is your okay. project? How big is the collection? And how much is someone want to buy on secondary and open sea right Thank now? You know. the, cost? the project is a fashion luxury brand and um, crypto native. And 
I'm starting with the first product, which is a handbag. I made it physical and it displays your NFTs either through screen or through print. And um, most of the money I'll be asking um, or the funds I'll be asking will go to, towards like, um, what's it called? Like research, development and research. So that is exciting because I got a lot of ideas there that I'm definitely not sharing. <laughs> but um, so that's the product. You can get it on OpenSea. Uh, I think there's one tier left for 0 0.05, uh, which is which is really affordable for what we're we're building here. Um, so that's really nice. The rest is um, um, sold out. And then the last question: What was the last question again? Oh, and and it is a brand. And the exciting thing: it's it's a brand that is like um, design focused and technology driven. Like. One thing I think about crypto native brands, and I'm excited to see what G Money is going to do, is that we understand the culture because that is the most important part. I think it's understanding the culture, and we've seen it with brands coming in. Um, they miss that part of understanding the culture. You can have a great product, but I think it's also a culture thing, especially in fashion. So, um, yeah, um, I don't know what it is. I think that's it. Yeah, I think so, yeah, you can get it off. It off oh, okay, okay. Thanks. I know it was really long. Thanks, Mel. No, I appreciate you guys. No, it was not long. I do appreciate <laughs> uh, you saying it because we talked about Gucci. We talked about Tiffany's. But uh, the things that I'm really personally, I know I didn't get to talk much. I had a headache. But the things that I'm really personally um, excited for are the brands that are coming from Web3. I feel like this is these are our babies, you know. So, you know, people. Yeah, but you have to be tough. Let's yeah. be also but maybe for next week but you also need to you really need a different set of mind like i feel like i'm becoming a mean person <laughs> no i'm not, no, not mean. <laughs> don't look at it like you're mean anything any any opinion is is welcome especially over here you know i got tough skin anyway but um you know i love you zoe and i appreciate you i think we should continue the conversation next week it's maybe small brands versus big big brands let's see yes i would appreciate oh my that god james that's such a good one. James got to go. Thank you. I love you so listen, much. Listen, Zoe, if James say another word, he's in trouble. He's let, let his behind go eat. All right. All right, everybody. So we're going to go ahead and go. I appreciate everybody for coming this week. We'll see you next week on Fashion Friday. Bye-bye. <laughs>